Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Just One More Thing. My name is Norji. Sorry it's been a while. I've been uh, kind of busy, seasonal depression and all that. But uh, joining me again for another episode is uh, the one and only Matt Specht. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's Thunderous been, applause. Yeah. I mean, I think I have some applause sound effects somewhere. <laughs> wait, wait. Here it is. <laughs> They're going nuts for you, man. Is that what applause sounds like? I'm so not used to hearing that. <laughs> I have so many people I, I need to thank. Uh, man, how you been? I've been I've been good, man. How are you? Uh, fat and bearded, like usual. I just want to start off this episode by congratulating you on Avenue Q. Great job, dude. Thanks, Saw man. Saw last night. Uproariously funny. I knew that um, that Dana was coming because she said she was coming, and I thought you were out of town. Um, I was, and I got back so, in time. Because usually, if you tell me you're coming, you're like, oh, me and Dana are coming. Or Dana will say, oh, Matt and I are coming. And she only said, I'll be, I'll be, I'm going to see Avenue Q. So I didn't know that you were there until I heard <laughs> the laugh. And I'm like, yep, Matt's here with yeah. Dana. And I'm like, this is going to be a great crowd because anytime you're in the audience, your laughter is infectious. And I'll tell you that I was not the laugh lead yesterday. There were the the rest of the audience thought a lot more stuff was funny than I did. Sure, and that's does fair. this sound jerky to say? I'm not. No, 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 no. I, I just, mean, it was some humor is subjective, and um, and that's fair. But yeah, there are some things that are funny to some audience. In you know, in the three shows we've had since we opened, and Friday when we opened, it's the first time we had an audience. We didn't have a preview audience or anything, and I laugh at everything. And I'm glad I'm not in the show a ton because I would break right. without question. <laughs> well. I mean, <laughs> I, but I have to tell you that um, I know for a fact that you broke a couple of people on stage with your laugh because there are people who have never experienced having you in the have, audience. <laughs> and not that... Not, having laughter, much less my laughter. Right. And it's it's very, very... Um, it's very, very unique and very, very specific, and people don't expect it. And the it's one great. that killed me, the moment that killed me was uh, the Kate monster did this thing where she used her puppet hand to flip her hair back <laughs> when she was upset about something, yeah. and that moment fucking killed me. <laughs> I was out of my seat. I died for like 45 seconds. I have no idea what they were saying after that for a good 45 seconds because she just did this thing, and it was so, in the moment, it was so perfect. I just like you don't realize it until like you watch the show that there are things that these puppets do because everyone's seen Sesame Street and the Muppets and they're just they don't have hair right they're just like animals or whatever but to see puppets that are supposed to look like humans do human things is hilarious yeah. so I can understand why the hair flipping was so funny because it, it's it's ridiculous it just and she was so good what uh, I don't remember the actress's name uh last night yeah uh, Allison 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 C crutch cr what was uh, uh, uh starts with a p oh uh, I think oh, her last that, name is. that's what, okay. Um, she was great. Oh, yeah. Had a great voice. Yeah. The Princeton had a great voice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, of course. Um, 
Were... Dude, the guy, the guy that we were with, uh, uh, Kevin, yeah. he, he, like we had told him that we had friends in the show, yeah. friend in the show, yeah. and <laughs> and uh, uh, he, we got out of there, and he was like, I when that when Trekkie was on stage, I couldn't take my eyes off him because he was just lasered into everybody. Mm-hmm. He was super focused on anybody and reacting like you should be doing. But he he said that was so funny to watch. I couldn't take my eyes off him. So. I, Great job, dude. As always, you're brilliant. I will, and thank you. I appreciate that. I um, have said publicly uh, recently that like this show was a dream show, not for any particular role or anything, but I've always been a fan of puppets um, because uh, there's something about the imagination that makes you feel like a kid. Um, and when you watch Sesame Street or you watch the Muppets, you know they're they're behind a wall or they're you know the camera is such that you only see the puppets and they're you know standing below the frame working the puppets and in this show everyone's on stage with their puppets and there was always this conversation like are they going to look at us or are they going to look at the puppets because like that that's a thing right and and it's it's weird because you never know what to expect and then everyone's like i'm i'm telling you they people are looking at the puppets they it's not that they're not paying attention to you but it's almost like you know your eyes always see your nose but the brain um basically disguises it so that you don't have it in your frame of vision and it's kind of the same thing like it's out of sight out of mind people focus on the puppets it, it was really it was really interesting to watch did you see the sixth street theaters moby dick with the puppets i did not Dude, that was fucking funny as hell. But they did a little bit different because they were, they did, you got like Avenue Q, you guys had blocking where the actors were moving around the stage. Um, At 6th Street, they had people like, it looked like it was in a boat. Sure. So you didn't see their like from the thighs down or the waist down or something like that. Sure. And... There was some blocking, but not really blocking like you guys did. It was much more of a Muppets, uh, Sesame Street sure. type show where it was. But that was just a, a a comedy show, right? There was was there any like music or songs in it? Was oh it yeah, music? they had songs, oh, and cool. they had these prop. I mean, it was legitimately brilliant. I thought it was funny as hell. They had like a harpoon that flew across the stage on a pulley and string system. Oh, that's cool, dude! It was so cool and so funny and so and, dude, I gotta tell you. Last night, I walked away from Avenue Q going, you know, I've seen, I saw uh, Beauty and the Beast, which you obviously killed in as Gaston. Um, and then... Absolutely. <laughs> Dude, you were fantastic in that. And I walked away and I, I, I kind of went, you know, Lakeside seems to be stepping up their game lately. They, they're, they're... We, we we talked about getting tickets yeah. before the show, and I thought there's no way that they're going to sell. Beauty and the Beast was sold out. I got yeah. one of the last remaining tickets because yeah. I went by myself. That was nuts. Yeah, and but I, I, I thought, well, three of us, we, we'll have no problem getting a ticket. And I walked in, and the place was packed. It wasn't sold out, Yeah, but, dude— that that place was packed on a Saturday night, and I was like, "This is great! This theater's selling tickets. The the set looked great. The Muppets looked great. The puppets or Muppets, whatever you call them, yeah. you guys did a fantastic job. Um, it was it was great to see. I had a lot of fun. So, a couple things about um, the show, and thank you for saying all these nice things. Um, so, uh, the director Jenny Hoffman." And the music director Joe, Joe uh, Cardamon, yeah, who 
they're both fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe was uh, involved with the original production they did of Avenue Q ten years ago, right? And so um, it was nice to have that experience, mm-hmm. and also, um, you know, I'm I'm used to working with one person um, that plays a piano for the last twenty years, and then it's not that person, and then you're like, I like does this? What? How does he feel about the show? Because I didn't know until. Um, we started the the rehearsal process that Joe was involved in the it. original run. So like when I did my audition song was Fucker Gently by Tenacious D right. and I did it with a puppet and I thought this is either going to kill launch. or yeah, die. Yeah. Right. <laughs> kill or die. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, no better way to say it than that. And um, I, I felt good about the audition, but I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I just, I took a, I took a risk and it ended up paying off. But like he, um, they they had a sense of humor about it and i'm like this is this is what you need right because if you have a stuffy director or a stuffy um uh directing team like this show will not succeed i said that on the way over the like it's a by now it's a 20 year old show how much of this has aged and is it gonna is the material going to be handled fairly deftly and in a in a light and fun way and i didn't know much about the show except like everybody's a little bit racist yep. and the internet's for porn. Yeah. That's a, like literally those two phrases are about, and puppets are about all I knew of yeah. Avenue Q. Um, so it was, a, you guys did a great job, man. It was fun. It was a fun evening. Yeah. And, and obviously it's... And uh, not to cut you off again, but no, I keep fun. forgetting a fucking live band. Yes. A fucking live band. Yeah. Like a talented ass live band. I gotta tell you, I've seen shows recently, not recently, but I've seen shows on a quote unquote professional level, and I was um, with with live. You go to the Skylight and see a live band, and it's awesome, right? Sure. Uh, but you go to other theaters and you see live bands, and you're like, dude, I. I'm not going to name names, but I saw a show recently with a live band within the last year or two, I th- a year or two. I got so furious that I almost left at halftime Sure, because I couldn't hear the singers. And when I could hear them, they were singing their faces off. They were unbelievable, but yeah. the band was too loud and I couldn't. And so it was, it was a hard show to sit through sure. because... They they kind of fumbled the the technical end of it, but sure. you guys, like I could hear everybody yesterday. There was just the normal stuff, like oh, I didn't turn the mic on quick enough. There was the normal stuff that sure. you don't bat an eye about, right? Yeah. But like a live band and all those head head mics or face mics yeah. and all that stuff, you guys did it great. And a live band, it was nice, nice work. Well, I will say that, um, and that's part of the reason I I think it was nice to have that experience of Joe because. He had done the show before, so obviously he knows the, the sort of the growing pangs of having um, a live band. But also, the band from ten years ago was smaller by a few uh, uh, members. So few, yeah. There's is, only fucking five people in the band yeah, yesterday, and, and all of them are multi instrument players. So you, you know, you heard someone playing a bass, an electric bass. You Stand heard someone bass, playing a, a cello. Bass, yep. yep. You heard someone playing a flute. Uh, you heard the someone guitar player had a, a banjo. Yep. Yeah. I mean. It, we're we're really lucky and yeah. i had my hesitation and after doing community theater for a long time and having tracks and then sound designing and i'm like i can do the same thing with tracks that a live band can do without the you know uh, uh what if a musician goes down what if 
their instruments right. flat, that kind of thing. Um, so I, I, I was, I was very, very pessimistic about it. Not because they're not talented, but like, you know, I don't know what to think. And like you, I've heard and experienced horror stories where you go to a, a, a show with a live band and the band is, um, the Achilles heel of the production. And we never, ever felt the entire time in the, in the whole process that the band was anything but like top, top tier notch. yeah and um they knew right away like you know we gotta we gotta back down on on things because just even playing with five people the drummer being too loud drowns out everybody dude the 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 one show that comes to mind the softest the drummer was in the whole show sure. should have been the loudest wow he it was that off it was that off it was Infuriating, um, and they were so good. They were such good singers, man. They just yeah, it's a just, shame. Yeah, but nice um, work though. Nice we, work. We're we had an embarrassment of riches because the show is double cast. So when you went last night, you saw um, the B cast. The cast, B. B cast yeah, yeah. Um, and not because it's one's better than the other. It's no, just labeled because, A yeah, and right. B. Yeah, um, and uh, but both casts are super talented. Um, you know the opening. Um, theme to avenue q um we recorded that weeks ago and um put it over the opening theme track so mm -hmm. that's that's the actual cast singing the opening theme and it fantastic the cast good. vocally is fantastic but um obviously i had my res reservations because i'm like it's you know it's 2023 2024 is this gonna is this gonna land as well as it did 20 years ago a lot has happened gary coleman has passed away um there's lots of things in the show that are kind of outdated in terms of it was funny 20 years ago but is it still going to be funny right and it, it is i was I, today we had a matinee and you know from doing theater matinees usually when the older folks come you know uh -huh. um and they're great crowds but like this is not necessarily the show for them and you know you look out in the audience sometimes and you see people who are uncomfortable or they're like nah i'm here to support whoever but this isn't my kind of show and then we go out to the lobby after the show and sweet little old lady is coming up to me saying oh my god this show was so funny i enjoyed it so much and that's like that's a relief that people still have a sense of humor i always remind myself with the sunday matinees that they will still enjoy it they're just not as vocal about it yeah yeah but they're, today's crowd was um you had a good crowd you got a good house we had, we had a great crowd um that's awesome that you guys are selling like that. That's yeah. freaking awesome. And, you know, obviously we weren't sure going into it, like, oh, ticket sales are a little soft, but, like, the roadie gets a lot of great walk-up ticket sales. I think that's true from my experience in all theater sure. post-COVID yeah. is that people are not buying tickets beforehand as much as they did sure. pre-pandemic. But, um I always, it's always nice to have you come to a show because you're, you're a great litmus test. And I know that you and I have very similar senses of humor and, um, we laugh at pretty much anything, but <laughs> I can always tell when your laugh is genuine, um, by the volume of it, but also how long the laugh is. And, um, you had some great laughs in there and I'm like this, the, to me, that's the seal of approval that, that what we're doing is funny. Um, and I, I don't, I don't think I force laughs. I, no, no, no. I'm not. Yeah. I don't. I don't think you force <clears throat> laughs. But I think sometimes um, you'll laugh at something that's funny, but it doesn't. It doesn't tickle you the way that something like. Because I've heard you guffaw. Like last night, I heard you. <laughs> um, I, what was it? I said. Um, 
what did I say to you in the lobby that you that you cackled? Oh, I, I think it was something along the lines of, uh, you know, I I took the, took a shot at playing a, uh, um, a perverted masturbating carp at what impressive range, and you laughed heartily at that, and that's a genuine laugh from you. And I always like, to again to me, there's always people that you know that come to your show and they're like the litmus test and to me i'm like if if matt thinks this is funny if matt laughs <laughs> heartily then we're doing then we're doing the show justice there was a there was a, there was a lot of great moments in that show there was a lot of great moments in that show um so yeah it's 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 a lot of fun uh to be it, it's just not a show you that you expect and right. it takes you by surprise. But even being on stage, you're like, I can't believe I'm getting away with doing this shit on stage. Yeah. I can't believe I'm, you know, working a, a puppet and masturbating from the window. And, yeah, and the puppets are fucking. And, yeah, yeah, and it's 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 ridiculous, but also really funny. Yeah. Um, speaking of theater, what have you been doing recently? Oh, funny you should ask, my friend. Right now I'm in a production with the Boulevard Theater up in Milwaukee called uh, Cecile or the School for Fathers, mm -hmm. which is by a guy named Jean Anouilh, A-N-O-U-I-L-H. I probably am not pronouncing, pronouncing that perfectly, but Jean Anouilh. And it's a very clever, very funny, very witty kind of rom-com kind of deal. And um, it's an enhanced reading, mm -hmm. so we will be, we will have our scripts. We won't have music stands, but we'll have our scripts. Um, but uh, an enhanced reading means maybe some props. We'll have live music. We do a little bit of song singing, songs stuff. And uh, um, but we'll be. It's not like there's a backstage and an entrance and that kind of stuff. It's um, usually the reading. The cast will sit in chairs at the back of the room and then when it's you're in the scene you'll step forward and and read um that's directed by david flores mm -hmm. who's uh he's so 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 good he's um just incredible uh the first time i saw him on stage it was like he stood out above everybody else at a professional level show up in sure. Milwaukee. And uh, 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 now that I get to work with him, it's just I'm pinching myself. Um, four nights. It's unusual because we're performing at a church, the Plymouth Church. Mm -hmm. And it's a Sunday and Monday. So Sunday and Monday, the 10th and 11th of March. And Sunday and Monday, the 17th and 18th of March. Um, How do people get tickets? Uh, you show up at the door. There's okay. no pre. The, oh, I take that back. You, if you want to come, there's a. I should have checked this. I should have done my homework. Um, you can uh, email the theater and say you're coming because there is a limit to how many. Oh, and then like they'll put a hold on some tickets yes. for you. That's nice. Uh, let me. I'm pulling this up here, and I will be able to. While you're pulling this up, um, I wanted to go back to this John Anouilh. Um, yeah. And, is he is he local? No, no, okay. no, no. Okay. He's uh, he's like, um, um, I mean, I believe he's long dead. Don't test oh, okay. me on this, but I think it's like he he's French. He did a he did a version of Antigone, and this was translated. Um, About to do my Joe Rogan right now. Uh, John, pull up, pull up, uh, pull up, John, John on the Wii. Yeah. Show me on the screen. I'll fact check this. Uh, there's the. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Um, so this is the email for if somebody wants to get tickets, they can email the, the theater and Boulevard and, 
tickets at gmail.com. Boulevard, B-O-U-L-E-V-A-R-D, tickets, T-I-C-K-E-T-S, at gmail.com. And I've done that before, and um, you, you just email them, and they go, okay, you're good. And then they know really what it is is how many seats to pull out that night. <laughs> um, I've done a couple of shows with them. We did shows in the back of the ma- the Sugar Maple um in uh, the Sugar Maple, and uh, and I did one at the Plymouth, and the guy the, Mark Booker is the the artistic director, and he um has great taste in scripts. Um, the two shows that I got to be a part of previous to this are just one was the Realistic Joneses by Will Eno, he's a fantastic playwright, and the other one was the Best Brothers by Daniel McIver, and uh, I. After that show, I, I bought a compilation of plays from Daniel McIver. He's Canadian. And I'm like, I was crying in Frank Steiner in the morning reading these shows. They're just beautiful and incredible. So they got, they have really great taste in uh, scripts. So that's going on. And then I was cast in Le Cage au Faux um, as Edward, the conservative uptight father. If Uh-oh. you remember the birdcage, yeah. do you remember the birdcage? I'm, I'm the Gene Hackman character. Okay. It's and a great movie, by the way. It's so good. The script movie. is so good. This is going to be so much fun. It's with Outskirts Theater, who just did Bat Boy. And Bat Boy, the musical, like, dude, I couldn't believe how fun that was. It was like everybody was on the same page. Kind of, It's like Avenue Q. Everybody on stage gets... You've seen shows where not everybody gets the joke. Right. And you're like, this is... Or is it? Is it over yet? And you look yeah. at your watch, it's only 10 minutes in. Yeah. Um, but uh, so this is going to be La Cage Full... We're doing it at Lacage Nightclub in Milwaukee. Oh shit! It's going to be incredible. That's June fourteenth through June thirtieth. Um, are you excited to play? Because you know, uh, I don't want to put too much out there about politics or ideology, but you're not a conservative guy. No. Um, are you excited for the 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 challenge, or are you sort of dreading it? No, I, I th- I'm excited because I think that, especially after seeing Bat Boy that Outskirts did, I think it's going to be a wonderful team. I think it's going to be a lot of people who kind of understand what's going on. Sure. Um, I think... I think every role is kind of a challenge, and I don't necessarily... I mean... You gotta, you've gotta sometimes pretend to fall in love with somebody you may not be in love with. That's, so that's, that's for sure. That's kind of what it's like to me. Um, I will tell a funny story. Um, the um, in the audition process, um, you know, I was given. I had an unusual audition process for this one. I couldn't make the the regular audition, and I emailed them and said, I would really love to be a part of this. Is there something else I can... Is there another way I can audition sure. or something? They said, sure, we're having callbacks on this day. Come and, and take part. And I walk in, and there were a bunch of dancers on stage. And I'm in, like, khakis and dress shoes. And I'm like, holy fuck, what did <laughs> I just walk into? I am screwed here. And uh, But then they were super kind, and uh, uh, the stage manager, Liz, who I've worked with, um, she, she goes, is, uh, we're going to do the dance. This is dance callbacks. Mm-hmm. Here's your sides. Go study them. And then when they're done with dance callbacks, we'll get you on stage. So it's great for me because usually you get four minutes with a, a, a script and you get to go up. So we go up there and then they have some of the dancers stay back and then we read a bunch of parts. Yeah. And um, 
in the script, he gets, uh, he's he's going, they're homosexuals, homosexuals. You know, he starts yelling about yeah. homosexuals. And <laughs> the the director, Jonathan Hetler, who, who who's, who's, incredible yeah he um he goes okay matt thanks great now we let's do it again and this time do it a little less hate crime (laughs) (laughs) and i was like oh fuck sorry Uh, i was like no problem he's like you're scared you're you're terrified you're this is not a hate and i was like got it sorry (laughs) note taken i will do it again and um take two that's hilarious do it do it a little less hate crime. That's, <laughs> a little less hate crime. That's going to be, Whew. I'm going to borrow that from now on. The person in front of me yeah. at the grocery store. Hey, put your groceries up on the thing, but maybe a little less hate crime. Yeah. Please. Yeah. So. Um, and sorry to to jump back. I wanted to go back because I forgot to ask this. You were talking about the Moby Dick show at 6th Street. Uh-huh. Um, I know that like someone local made those puppets. Right. Yes. Um, I don't remember. I don't. And I don't remember who it was. And I've I've heard the name before, and I I certainly don't remember it now, and I apologize. But is was the show an original? Like, was it locally written? Yeah, they okay. wrote it. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure who the, you know, who authored it. But it was it wasn't something that like, you know, oh, this is a obscure show that they did in right. in they, Oregon. Yeah, okay. they 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 wrote it, and it was so like, you go in. Not knowing what to expect, and yeah. even not know it was like Avenue Q. You go in not knowing what to expect. Excuse me, and even not knowing what to expect, it blew expectations out of the water. Sure. Well, I mean, for those of you who have braved the long-winded book that is Moby Dick, um, and I'm not a fan of the book, quite honestly, but um, to take something like that and to make it to to make light of it, to to parody it, mm-hmm. and and still be funny and still be um, that that's so cool. I remember seeing, and I don't remember who posted it on 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 Facebook, but I remember seeing like it looked like a trailer or something that they that they made uh-huh. um, to let people know, and there were puppets in it and stuff. And I'm like, this is really funny. Like, oh, I, it was so funny. It was um, Tony Lizaldi was like the narrator, and sure. he just had me dying, and uh, like all those folks, they were just. It was so funny, and they were so good, and and. I love Tony Lizaldi. Such oh, a good yeah. guy. Yeah. Such a good guy. Yes. Um, so yeah, sorry to jump back. I That's just, okay. um, it popped back into my head and my, uh, my ADHD medication, I didn't take it today. So, um, we we're talking about, uh, auditions, um, or you were talking about this audition process that you went through for the, the show. Um, and I kind of want to, uh, go into that because, um, one thing that doesn't, get talked about a lot is auditions and sort of uh-huh. um, how people prepare and um, what they should do in terms of um, getting themselves more practice, you know, taking acting lessons, whether they're over the phone or in person. Um, <laughs> this was an authentic laugh, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all the great actors, De Niro... Uh, Pacino, Dan- well, Daniel Day Lewis. You've heard the stories about uh, Brando, uh, how in the in the later years he would have an earpiece and they would sure. feed him his lines. Sure. So he didn't take lessons over the phone, but he was acting over yeah, the phone. He was the he was the he pioneered the over the phone acting technique, which I think they've they've <laughs> written books about. I mean, who the hell is Daniel Day Lewis when you can get act, acting lessons over the phone? 
Um, so anyway, um, I wanted to talk a, a little bit about that and maybe your experiences and maybe any kind of advice that you give to people out there. Because you've done community theater. You've done equity theater. Um, you know, no, equity is a whole different thing, which I don't completely understand yet. I'm still learning about that, but I have done, I wouldn't say it's professional theater, but there are stipends, there's actor sure. stipends and, and things like that. So it's, and, it's, and, and I, I don't want to, I don't say this insultingly or even, um, you know, condescendingly, but you've done a lot of experimental theater too. Um, a lot of shows that, um, aren't necessarily well known or they're, they're locally written, but you know, you, it's good scripts, um, smaller theaters, that kind of thing. So just based on, um, things that you have experienced, cause you probably of all the people I know in theater, you have a pretty vast, um, array of different things that you've done. And I think that you could lend a lot of perspective to people out there about auditions and maybe, I would love to. I would love to give whatever experience. I, I thank you. I do. I think I do have been working very hard over the last four or five years, even through the pandemic, to just like push myself and get experience. Sure. Um, so so, but keep in mind that I, I know very well that I still have a lot of things to learn, and there's a lot of people with way less experience than me but they're they're more naturally talented than me that uh, so i just want to put that out there that like i i understand that i'm still working on it and still trying to get better i'm right. not you're not telling people how to live their lives you're 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 giving things based on your my own experience. experience yes yes and yes. That, and that's that's important to note that you're not telling people this is how you should audition yes but... i'm not a professional i don't make my living doing this um a lot of it is in milwaukee and frankly a lot of the stipends basically pay my gas to and fro after, if you're lucky yes exactly so it's not like uh it's not like i'm getting um, rich yeah uh, or or more even making enough to live sure you know and there are other people that do that this is their livelihood and that's what they do um so but uh, on the other hand i do feel like i've gotten a lot of experience in the last couple of years and other people have when you asked me about this, other people have been very generous to me in time and talent and sharing of experience. I was just telling this story the other day. The first show that I did outside of Kenosha, I didn't have a car. And when I auditioned, I didn't know how I was going to get to. It was at the Theater Guild, and I didn't know how I was going to get up there. And one of the guys in the cast lived in Kenosha, and he gave me rides. And it's one of those... That's awesome. Dude, it's one of those things like... If that guy didn't do that for me, how, would I have been able to audition for another show or be in another show? Or, or and would that, we be having this conversation? Would we be, literally, would we be having this conversation? And um, there are there are other people. I'm I'm pretty. I can be pretty direct, and you know there there are other people I've gone. Would can we sit down and talk about acting? Can sure. I can you can I do my monologue for you? I'll pay you. And other people have been generous with their time and talents and that kind of stuff. And I'm a big believer that like I don't want to hoard that information. So yeah, pay I'm it happy. Forward. I'm happy to do the first the first thing that I was told, which I think is incredibly useful, is see a lot of theater and read a lot of theater. Um, and sorry to interrupt. That's okay because uh, I'm curious. It's your show. You man. said the first. 
your first show outside of Connecticut, what was the show? Uh, Diary, Diary of Anne Frank. Okay. So that picture that hangs on the wall in the green room. That I was like 18, 19 yeah. at the time. Baby yeah. face. It was 90, Hair 19, back. 1993. Yeah, it was, it was back in the day. Handsome young man that you were. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I tripped. I will tell this at the top of the, this, <laughs> this talk about auditions. The Theater Guild is a theater in the round. And um, when you go down the stairs, uh, sometimes they build out the stage so it, it's flat all the way to the railing, all yes. the way to the seating. Yeah. But naturally, the stage has a couple of steps down, mm-hmm. and then there's a there's a couple of steps back up to the seats. Right. And then it's like a bowl in there, right? Yeah. So my first audition, basically out of high school, I had done one show at Lakeside Players. Persenium. Proscenium, and one guy in that show had said, hey, I'm going to auditions up at the Theater Guild. And I'm like, what the fuck is the Theater Guild? He's like, you want to come with? I'm like, fuck yeah, I'll, I'll go. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, so uh, before that, I had just done high school stuff. So they call my name and uh, like, you know how energetic I am. Imagine oh, me yeah. at like fucking 18. And I went running down these steps and got to the bottom and immediately face planted oh, onto the no. stage. My first audition at the Theater Guild, I fucking face planted onto the stage. I stood up and took a bow. <laughs> I, like I was so embarrassed, but I'm like, I like I stood up and said, you know, that was on purpose, of course, or whatever I said. But, um, but um, you, but you still went through the audition. Oh, yeah. And most people would crumble just like, oh, shit, I just fell in front of a room full of people. Yeah, it's one of those things. What's the difference between between bravery and stupidity? I was pretty stupid at that point. And I was like, I was so happy to be there and excited to be there that I, I didn't have time to... To to I would not recommend falling onto the stage in an audition, no. but it but it you know I think uh, I don't know I don't remember the audition, but I do remember falling down the stairs my first time. So there's um, and you got cast and I got cast, yeah. And and if you're not willing to humiliate yourself in front of people you don't know, then you know you shouldn't do theater. I think you have touched on something that I've spent a lot of time thinking about. I think that's what she said. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I, I think that the people that I am around that are really talented are the people that have the ability to ultimately go, I don't care what I look like. Yeah. Because acting's fucking weird. Right. You know, you have to pretend to like somebody you may not like. Yep. You have to do this motion that may not be natural. And all of us want to look cool. All of us want to look talented. And all of us want to be beautiful and brave and everything. But acting is not that. Sure. And the people that I find are the, the most talented ones are the ones that don't give a fuck. Yeah. They will just, they will just go up there and they will... Do whatever weird, crazy accent. They will take a big swing at it and not care. You can tell sometimes on stage when people think they look cool. Yeah. Maybe. I'm not going to say it. I I shouldn't say that out loud. Uh, But you you can tell when people think they're cool and think they're doing a good job, whereas, uh, whereas the people that turn that off and they just do their best. They sure. just are trying to do their best. So I think I think you touched on something really important there. So well and also, you know, the thing about acting, uh like I love mo- I mean we both love movies, but like right. 
the the character actors are always the best because these are the people like you know, and I'll name a couple like Paul Giamatti, uh-huh. right? He's not he's not he's not um, George Clooney or Brad Pitt in terms of looks, right? But man, you put him in a you put him in any you movie, can't take your eyes off, right? The dude. And he's the best guy on the screen um, because he just he goes all the way, and yeah. um, those are the guys that are like, I don't care. I you know I don't care that I look like this. I don't care that they're asking me to do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna act my ass off, and that's one of those things like Paul Giamatti, William H Macy, just to name a couple. Um, Philip are, Seymour Hoffman. Yes, R.I.P. Yeah. Um, just go for it, and and it's so good. But yeah, you're right. Like even even in rehearsal where you think, oh yeah, the director hasn't given me a note, and I'm doing really good. But like it doesn't. Maybe it's too much for an audience. Like maybe it's too nuanced for an audience, and the audience is like, eh not right. feeling this accent that's like you know over the top yeah. um but anyway uh you were saying anyway um, the, so the the first thing that i was told and i think it's super is important is to read a lot of scripts and see a lot of theater and what that will do was will help a couple of things seeing a lot of theater will help you kind of figure out hey this theater is doing scripts that i like and they're, they've got a mission statement that I like, um, and they are doing the level of production that I think would challenge me and I think I could get into. And then maybe you'll see another company that, hey, this company's really good, but they have a different mission statement that might not fit well with me. And that way you're not spending a bunch of time auditioning for theaters that you may not enjoy or may sure. not like. A lot of times you know the show you're auditioning for, sure. right? Um, but, uh, you know, I find that going to Milwaukee and traveling for to different places for shows, you will start to see the actors that you really think are great, and uh, you start to see the theaters that you are doing scripts that really fire you up and interest you. And then reading scripts is the same thing. You just read scripts and... So let's unpack that a little bit, because obviously it there's got to be thousands and i mean thousands millions, of scripts out millions. there um plays musicals dramas right. comedies tragedies uh whatever when you say read scripts how are how is it that you are like um deciding what shows to read um where are you finding scripts like and, and i know that there's lots of you can find scripts online all the live long day but like you know Obviously, you got to start somewhere, right? So you probably have a particular kind of um, play or musical or whatever that you like, um, maybe. But also, there has to be like a ground level starting point. So where 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 is that for you? Um, what I did when I really started, so I really started digging into reading scripts about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. All right, <clears throat> and the first thing I did was. This is a great question because I don't have a great answer to it. And I still like in the last about a month ago, I started going like, what do I read next? There's no wrong answer. Right. So what I did is I started, uh, oh, I've heard of this play. I've heard uh, I've heard people talking about uh, uh, Death of a Salesman. Sure. I'm going to read it. I've never seen it. I don't know anything about it. I'm going to read it. Um, I've heard of Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. I've seen the movie, but I have not read the script. I'm going to read that. So you, you go to ones that you think are okay, kind of good. And then like, okay, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, you know, it's by David Mamet. 
what else has David Mamet done? Sure. What else has Arthur M- Miller done? Sure. And what I started doing um, when I started looking into scripts pretty heavily is like Googling 10 best plays. Sure. 10 best plays of 2023 or 2024. Uh, the best known plays of all time. What are the best plays of all time? Sure. And uh, you've got to be careful with that because I remember some guy, has this, when I Googled, when I started Googling monologues, uh, there was a guy that had written a monologue book, but he had, there were all his own monologues from oh, all his geez. own plays. So you get these people who have a really clever marketing campaign and if you google it you will get some wheat with the chaff if sure. you know what i'm saying right oh yeah um so that's that's what i started doing is started reading i was just reading weird shit and but then like okay i kind of dug glenn gary glenn ross so i'm gonna buy a compilation of mammet shows i'm gonna buy a book so it's a little cheaper, and it's going to have three or four or five. Danny McIver, which I was just talking about before, yeah. I bought a book of five of his plays, and two of them in there were just brilliant and amazing, and I read the whole um, – maybe I didn't read the whole one of Danny McIver, but you, you just start doing that. And then um, you uh, – what I started doing recently was – I did. I looked at the Wikipedia page for Pulitzer Prize winning shows. Mm-hmm. So it gives you the Pulitzer Prize winner, but then also the runner-ups. Sure. So I just started like doing quick uh, uh, synopsis of uh, uh, um, what is this show about? Do I think I'd be interested in it? And I read one called Fat Ham by James L. James, mm-hmm. who also wrote a show called Kill Move Paradise, which Next Act in Milwaukee did. And Kill Move Paradise is one of the best shows I've ever seen. It was incredible. And so when I saw that James L. James had written this other show that was a Pulitzer Prize winner. It was or at either, least a contender. At least a contender. I think it won. Um, I, like, cl- buy that, you know. And then I go to Amazon and you just look for the cheapest version you can get. And sometimes you got to wait three weeks for the cheapest version. But... You, 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 I just go to Amazon and, 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 and buy stuff. And that's how I start. And I read, I'd have to, I kept track of all the ones I've, I've been keeping tracks of all the ones that I've read in the scene. And I read roughly a play a week last year and saw roughly a play a week last year. So in along the lines of reading scripts, because obviously, um, kind of like a movie or a book, you can get a sense pretty pretty quickly if it's good, if it's intriguing, or if it's interesting to you. Do you read a script all the way through regardless of how you feel about, like, oh, this isn't very good? Do you, like, just to just to sort of stick to your mission of, of reading scripts and, and be, becoming more cultured in the subject, do you read all the way through a script even if, it, if it's not appealing to you? I, I would not. If I was not interested in a script, I would not. If I, for my own little record keeping, if I didn't finish the script, I wouldn't put it on my list as a read script. Sure. Um, but if it was... A, I'll I'll, uh, give you an example. Um, There were two shows that had been suggested to me um, that were older plays, 50, 60, 70 years old, so in the 50s. Um, the Philadelphia Story and the other one, I don't remember the other one. Oh, Holiday or something about the holiday. And a guy that I've worked with, great actor, suggested these two plays oh david suggested these i'm gonna go order them and read them and i read the first one and i was kind of like 
you know all those 40s and 50s movies where it's a lot of talking heads and they're shot from the waist up and it's like uh, Gene, not Gene Kelly, um, uh, I'll show the moon for you. Oh, you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> Is that <laughs> fucked up or what? I'll lasso the moon for you. You want the moon? Yeah. Uh, hey, kids, come over by the window. Uh, uh, <laughs> those move, those black and white movies where they're super quick. Some like it hot, you know. Um, some of those movies. Now, some like it hot's in a little bit different category. But um, I read the Philadelphia story, and I was like. I kind of dragged my way through that one, and I started reading The Holiday, whichever one it was out of those two. Um, I started reading the second one, and I'm like, this is just rich white people sitting around complaining. Like, I'm not interested this in this at all. Like, you know, because it was written in the 50s or whatever, and it was set in the 20s, and there, there were people jet set, oh, darling. You know, it, like, it was super boring to me. Sure. So, it, it, absolutely, if I, if I got through a scene or an act and I didn't like everybody or didn't like where this was going, there, there, Life is short, man, and I'm not going to force myself to finish this. Especially when there's so much good stuff there's out so there. There's so much other good stuff out there, yeah. By the way, that's uh, Jimmy's, J- uh, J- uh, Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> G.O.S. Is that fucked up or what? <laughs> um, and then... Um, well, fuck you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> fuck your angel wings. <laughs> Uh, you, you 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 messed up my my double che- uh, cheeseburger. You might as well move out now. <laughs> so yeah, so so reading mm. stuff, uh, I I won't read stuff. I have a hard time with like Agatha Christie plays where there's fifteen fucking characters. Sure, and I have to keep flipping back. And f- I just read uh, August Osage County by Tracy Letts. Yeah, and that had a whole that had a you know six eight. 10 people and I had to keep fucking flipping to the front and going which one was this now which one was this now who the hell is this guy and August Osage County was a Pulitzer Prize winner um, so if there's a lot of characters I'll avoid it if uh, uh, if I get a, a act into it or a scene into it I'll, I'll, I'll fucking stop so do you um, do you have a particular genre that you like um I mean it was kind of like from movies, act- right? Yeah, from an actor's point of view, for sure. I love the dark stuff. I sure. love the um, the. Um, there's a, a theater called the Constructivists in Milwaukee that did two shows. <laughs> One's called "I'm Gonna Pray for You So Hard," and the other one was called "The Totalitarians." Super dark, but they have it's like a kind of a black comedy, sure, um, and uh, a dark comedy. And uh, um, but the you know, as opposed to a, a full out comedy, I would much rather be in something that's a little bit darker you know like uh, no country for old men or you know one of those kind of things as opposed to robin hood prince of tights prince you know um um but i mean if but look at lacage lacage is way funny it's way out there and i'm gonna have a blast doing that um but I'll read anything. Again, part of the reading stuff is to kind of get your head around what do you like and what don't you like, sure. right? And um, so I, I know that um, I'll audition for a show with a bazillion characters in it, but if I'm going to sit down and read something, I want I want like a three or four-hander sure. and they're arguing with each other. Or they, you know, it's Yeah, like there's like dense, really good scenes between yeah, people. Yeah, I gravitate towards that stuff a, a lot more. So 
you've read a lot of scripts in the last year. But like, not to interrupt you, but no. like Best Brothers was kind of a dark comedy, but sure. it had kind of a nicer ending. Sure. No less of a script. I loved that. I freaking loved that script. An incredible script. This that script is a, a, a two brothers. One's gay, one's straight. Their mom died at a gay parade when a speaker fell off a float and crushed her. Jesus. So already you're you're in that mode. Like if that happened in real life, it'd be like it'd be terrible. But in the play setting, like these guys have to handle it in a in a certain way. <laughs> it's also. It's tragic, obviously, but also kind of a funny way for someone to die. And there's so much comedy and humor in there, sure. and uh, and it's it was a stretch as an actor to try to do that. So, so you've you've read a lot of scripts, obviously, seen a lot of shows. When you find, you know, you find a lot of scripts that you really like, and you're reading, and you really enjoy them. Are these the shows that you're going to see, or are some of these some of these scripts so like maybe obscure or not? mainstream enough to where they're being done locally that you're not seeing these or are you are you able to sort of parlay uh, you know i've read these five scripts and man these are really great scripts and uh oh man this theater over here is doing it and this theater over here doing it and obviously you might consider being in the show but are you able to see a lot of the shows that you are reading the scripts for not really not really the not really what i've tried what i've tried to do what I've tried to do is do more, like read more contemporary stuff. Sure. Um, because things are changing so quickly. I mean, just think about our lives five years ago, right before the pandemic. Our lives have fundamentally changed. Can right? you believe it's been five years? Five years. Good grief. And, um, um, but even 10 years ago, our life, I feel like our lives have changed from 10 years ago. Sure. And uh, so, um, I was reading some Mamet, and Mamet's a great guy, but he did a lot of stuff in like the 80s. So while it's interesting to get the, that language and to see what he's doing there, um, I'm trying to read more contemporary stuff from the last five years, last 10 years. I, um, I'm prepping for the Milwaukee Generals coming up. We can talk, we can have a long conversation about the Milwaukee Generals, but uh, putting together monologues for the Generals like you, they ask you for two out of the three of the following, a contemporary monologue, a classic monologue, and a song. Okay. And you have five minutes in the room. I mean, from open the door till close the door, you have five minutes in the room. And you pick the monologues and the song? Yes, you okay. pick it all. Nobody's, this is, you, this is you're on your own, baby. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, acapella or do they have a pianist? They have a, they have a pianist there. Um, very talented. This, yeah, very talented uh, pianist there. Um, but, uh, but when I was going through last year, kind of starting to prep and think about monologues, I didn't want to look at monologues that were like 20 years old because sure. they're, they, they were, um, you know, it was, it was very interesting. You talking about what you read, what I read. I really discovered pretty quickly with the monologues. You get a monologue, and some of these monologues have 220 fucking monologues for men. Sure. Right? And they're 20 years old, and you pick it up, and you're like, Jesus, I got to read through all this? And at first, like, it was my little rebel attitude kicking in, like, I'm not reading this whole thing. Like, I would, I would read it, and I would read three sentences, and fuck that one. The next one, three cents, fuck that one. The next one, one sentence, fuck that one. But then you start to go, oh, this is not a bad thing. I'm not wasting time reading the whole thing. If it doesn't catch me in the first line or two, 
It ain't going to catch a tech casting director. If you can't convince yourself, you can't convince others. Right. So what I did is I bought a bunch of monologue books and read through the monologues. And if I got through a sentence or two, if it, if I read the, if it caught me enough to read the whole thing, I'd fold the page. I'd fold the corner of the page. And so out of a whole monologue book, I'd maybe bookmark six or eight of them. And then I'd sit on them for a couple of days or a week and go back and read them again and start to think about those. So I've widened, I had a hundred to start with. I whittled them down to 10. So I've got these 10, which one, if I'm going to go in and do a monologue for somebody, which one's going to show me off? Uh, which one's going to, which one do I like? You got to like it. You got to, you got to connect. Gotta believe in it. You got to connect. Like, this is not, this is not you going and going, well, I'm going to audition for this show. I got this role that I maybe not connect with, but I want the role. I want to be in the show. I want to do something. So right. this is all you, right? So, um, so I went through and I found one from Tracy Letts that I fucking loved right off the bat. Sure. Uh, from a show called Linda Vista. I loved that one right off the bat. And I found a couple other ones that I really liked. And, um. <laughs> now, four months later, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to do those for the Milwaukee Generals. <laughs> but uh, the the uh, the Milwaukee, so you, you you just do them. And uh, like when you're auditioning, there's a bunch of different audition styles, right? Sure. We've all been to a lot of these different audition styles. The Milwaukee Generals is like that kind of um, intense, like when you see when when non actors see auditions in the movies, yeah. that's kind of what the Milwaukee Generals is like. You walk Super into the door, and there's literally two dozen directors from two dozen Milwaukee theaters, wow. and they're in a room. In, they're in the room. They're sitting around a table, and you walk in, and the 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 person that, because there's always a person like coming out and going. This person, you know, you're on deck. You're up now. Sure, you're next, right? And they walk you in. And uh, you're like, you're on your own, dude. So you have to, those, it's intense because you're standing there. You have five minutes. That door opens. You have five minutes to do either two songs or a song and a monologue, or excuse me, two monologues or a song and a monologue. And that's all the time you got. So you got to introduce yourself to the pianist. You got to, you got to tell them what's going on. You got to make quick work of it. You got to make quick work of it. So, um, so I love doing like I love doing my monologues like at work. Like if I'm next to one of my coworkers, I'll be like, "Let me do this for you. It's sixty seconds. Let sure. me do this for you." And so they know by now that I just uh, are you are you for real or are you doing a monologue right now? Hmm. And uh, uh, so you walk in and you 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 slate yourself. You say, "Hi, I'm Matt. I'm going to be doing two pieces for you. The first one is da 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 da, and then you do the first one. The second piece is going to be da da da, and you do the second one." So. So when it comes to a monologue, because obviously there's lots of monologues out there, mm-hmm. is there a criteria or um, stipulation? Because like, it's a lot of it's a lot of um, legwork to like, as you were saying, like you're going through these monologues, and if it's not catching you in the first couple of lines, you're like, eh, I'm on to the next one, on to the next. But that's one. why you see a lot of plays and read a lot of scripts. Because then sure. you go, I like that script guy. I like that playwright. I'm going to read everything she's done. Sure. But so I guess my question is, is what if you saw a movie that you really, really loved and there's like a really great monologue in the movie? Is there any rule against doing a monologue from something that isn't necessarily from a stage play or a um, production? So that's a great question. Me personally, 
I would never do that. That's just me personally. Sure. Um, I heard a really great piece of advice last year. Um, I took an audition intensive class, like four hours on a Saturday at the Milwaukee Rep. And this turned into like an argument in the class because the guy running, Jonathan Hetler, he... It, like he's got his masters in acting. He's he's he knows his shit, right? He's been all around the country. And there was an actor up there, and the way the class was set up, we all got a chance to go up and do our monologue. Then he yeah. would kind of critique our monologue, critique our headshot, and then do it again. Then we'd all talk about it a little bit, and then we'd have a chance to do it again. Yeah. And there were like twenty people in the class, four hours every. We just rotated, and this one guy was so stuck on it because he's like, "I want to give the best version of that character. I want to know." everything about that character. I want to read the whole play. I want to read da-da-da-da-da. And Jonathan is like, no, you don't need that. And I and I was like, what? It's like you could hear the gears in my head grinding, but it made so much sense because the reason I think doing a movie monologue is dangerous is because that's an absolute professional. They've made their living in their career sure. doing that, and you are comparing yourself to them. So if you're doing the the Alec Baldwin monologue at the top of Glengarry, everybody knows, put that coffee down. Everybody's comparing you instantly to Alec right. Baldwin. You don't want to compare yourself instantly to Alec Baldwin. You want to do something that maybe most people in the room haven't heard or haven't seen. Sure. Because if every if every dude my age goes in there and does Glengarry Glen Ross, we're, we're all battling each other. But if you set yourself apart a little, that's important. The other thing that I thought was super, super interesting is that if you're doing a, mo like, like a book of monologues, yeah. if you do, like, like me, I had whittled my, my monologues down to six monologues, right? It's a lot of time to go through and read six plays right. to pick that monologue. So what you have to do in a monologue situation for an audition is do not you, you you're not giving your best version of the character you're giving the best version of yourself. Sure. You want to pick a monologue that has a transition or it does something where maybe you can giggle at the top and cry at the end. Maybe not cry, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. There's there's a range in there, right? Sure. You are not trying to give that director the best version of that. This is your little trailer. This it's, is your it, little sales yeah, tape. Yeah, it's a job interview. Yes. It's, it's a your teaser. Little, yes. It's a sizzle reel. Yes, exactly. So you don't necessarily have to read the whole script, but you do have to make decisions. That does, it, it, If you know the monologue and you've never read the script, you don't have to know all the best... You should, you don't know, you don't have to know the script, sure. but you have to make strong decisions about what this character is doing before, who is this character talking to, sure. what is the context. You have to make those decisions. Right. Because you have to unpack a scene in out of context, whether you know the entire play or not. Right. Yes. But you're not trying to give that scene in a, in a, what was made clear is that in a play, you have two hours to create a character sure, and give all this minutia um, and uh, present all this verisimilitude and all this great stuff going on, right? And in an audition, you have 60 seconds. Yeah. So you're not trying to give 
you would do things in a monologue for an audition that you would never do normally in that monologue in the middle of that play. Sure. Right. So, um, so what I did, especially with the Tracy Letts one is I actually took it and manipulated it. So in the context of the play itself, I read that play. I was like, I love this play. And in the context, there's actually some responses from the guy that I'm, my character is talking to. Yeah. We'll take those out. And now I've got these three paragraphs. How do I arrange these three paragraphs? So it doesn't sound like I'm waiting for somebody to say something. Right. How do I put it in an order that flows where I can show somebody that I've got a little bit of an arc to it? So, so th I think that's key about when you, cause not all auditions, you don't need to come in with a monologue, right? Sure. Um, the Milwaukee Generals, you do, you, you, or any theater's general auditions. The general auditions, I should say, are a theater has general auditions at the beginning of their season, yeah. and then they go, okay, this is the hundred people that we have. I'm going to call back these twenty for this show, and I'm going to call back these twenty-five for this show, and sure. then they call those people back. Right? The Milwaukee Generals is the same way. You show up in front of these twenty-four, twenty-two, or whatever it is theaters and they all see you and they all go okay so it's like talent scouts it it kind of is it kind of is so um and and just to maybe um simplify it just a little bit when you go into an audition and let's talk about if it's a show that you are auditioning for that you maybe are familiar with mm -hmm. or just really want to be in is it fair to say that when you go into that audition that should not be the first time that you ever have seen the material for the audition, right? You should at least have some idea of what the show's about and the character that you're auditioning for. Maybe not the life story, maybe not the entire character arc, but if you walk, I feel like if you walk into an audition cold without having any sort of prior knowledge of what the show's about or at least some context, you're kind of setting yourself up to fail, right? That is a, an outstanding question and I have an answer for you. The the You know, if if you're auditioning for a movie and the script isn't written yet or you're auditioning for the movie and they won't give out the script yeah you get three pages you get three pages sure so the key there I heard this in an acting class the key there is the roots system r-o-o-t-s and I actually super value the root system in in all of my acting roots stands for relationship objective obstacle tactic and stakes so if you're in an audition where you're handed something that you've never seen before mm -hmm. and you have five minutes to look it over and then you're going in front of that director to, to audition, sure. you use the root system. R is relationships. Who are you? Who else is in the scene? What's their relationship? Oh, this is mom and dad. Oh, this is boss and employee. Oh, this is two mortal enemies. Sure. That's going to tell you a lot. First O is objective. What is your character trying to do? What is your character's objective in this scene? And again, this is for a monologue for an audition. It's for if they give you sides, right. you know, a, a couple of pages of script, or if it's you're casting a show and you got to go do this. I really like the root system. So relationships, objective, what are you trying to accomplish? You're trying to accomplish something. If you didn't want to accomplish anything, maybe you're trying to get off stage and you keep getting pulled back on. So whatever the objective is, there's an objective there. What is your objective? The other one is the obstacle. What is preventing you 
from getting sure. that objective. Uh, uh, we're playing husband and husband, and I want a divorce, but you still love me. And I'm trying to say, no, 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 I'm out of here, but you keep physically blocking me. Sure. And so I have to find a, 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 a different, That's those are the obstacles. T is tactic. If you're physically blocking me, what tactic do I use to get around the obstacle to obtain my objective, right? So relationship, objective, obstacle, tactic, and the last one is stakes. How important is this? If I don't get out of this room, if you're physically blocking me, do I think I'm going to die or am I just annoyed? Right. The stakes are super important. I heard Gary Oldman talking about this. He he was uh, talking about working with Chris Nolan for seven years on the Batman movies. Yeah. He goes, Chris Nolan never gives notes. Um, but he gave me he gave me one note one time, and it was so crystal clear. He comes over to me, he goes, "There's more at stake." And Gary Oldman goes, "That's all I needed to hear. I didn't need to hear." Be louder. I didn't need to hear uh, flail your arms more. I right. didn't need to hear get angrier. Right. I needed to hear that acting instruction, there's more at stake. That gave Gary Oldman the ability to go, there's more at stake. So he increased those stakes sure. in his mind, and that made the performance deeper. So That's fantastic. I love that so much. The roots, yes, the, and, the root system. And for Gary Oldman to say, you know, I— a director doesn't give notes and they gave me this note and it's all I needed to know. And, and I mean, say what you want to, Gary Oldman is one of the greatest he's actors, brilliant. not only of his generation, but of all time. Yeah. He's incredible. Um, yeah. and that's a, that's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty profound, um, bit of, uh, yeah. anecdotal information. Yeah. And that's so, so that's what I go back to when I'm looking at, uh, uh, an acting scene or a monologue or I'm in an audition and I get sides. Yeah. What are the roots? Relationship, objective, obstacle, tactic, and stakes. Sure. And if you only have four or five minutes, freaking write them down or look at it and go over that and go, okay, when you, we've all been around the directors that Matt, you got to get louder there. Matt, you got to get angrier there. Right. You know, th those aren't, th those are sometimes difficult to hear because what you want to hear is there's more at stake. Right. Uh, because oh, your interpretation of what's happening doesn't is your interpretation. Right. Exactly. Yes. And so sometimes someone says, you got to get angrier. And you're like, that doesn't make sense to me because right. that's not how I've interpreted the scene. Right. But it's different to hear, hey, there's more at stake here. What are you trying to do? Right. And why can't you? So right. what are you doing to get around it? Right. You know, if, if I was a director, that's that, you know, what are you trying to do here? Right. And or, why can't you do that? Or conversely, hey, it's not the end of the world. You know, this is a, this is a minor inconvenience. Right. Right. Um, which is a great way to like, hey, you got to pull it back a little bit. But, yeah. um, you know, and, and I guess some of my questions are specifically geared towards the people out there who... Um, don't have a lot of experience because, again, you have a ton of experience auditioning and stuff like that. And um, and so there might be people out there listening who maybe they're new into community theater. They've auditioned. They've done ensemble work. They've gotten bit parts or whatever. And so, um, you know, again, this information is, is not necessarily um, gospel and the way that you have to do it, but this is great sort of... Um, this is what works for me. Right. And and a lot of it is is very universal. <laughs> to the extent that it works or doesn't work, sure. right? <laughs> but, but also, like, you know, uh, well, a couple minutes ago I said it shouldn't be the first time that you walk into, uh, when you walk into an audition, it should be the first time that you've um, read the material. And that's not 
a wrong idea to have, but then you offered a very great point, which is sometimes that's just how it is. Right. If the script isn't written or you're not getting a lot of the script because um, they don't want people to know everything about the script, especially, you know, with a movie or whatever. But, um, you know, sometimes in that root system is great. Root system is great. You have to unpack something and get to the sort of the 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 DNA, the bones of the scene in a right. very short amount of time. And by having that structure, um, it gives you the ability to sort of cut through the crap and say, okay, this is what the scene is all about right. and how I um, sort of uh, interpret it and also how I uh, dramatize it for the people who are watching. Mm. Um, and that's great. Because um, I think, I feel like, especially in community theater, there's not a lot of opportunity to really audition for like, a drama like a lot of people don't um i feel like there's lots of musicals that get done lots of mm -hmm. comedies and stuff like that um uh it's great to hear your experience with auditioning for shows that are dramatic because um obviously you have to you have to bury your soul and some of this stuff um you did uh was it last year or the year before you did shawshank Yes. Out in Burlington. Yeah. And up until you told me that you were auditioning, I didn't even know that there was a staged version of Shawshank. And um, I've also never read the short story, the Stephen King short story, but I also know that there are things that are in the movie or that aren't in the movie that are in the short story that are also in the play mm -hmm. that, you know, obviously you have to, they're very difficult um uh, scenes and content and stuff like that. And you know why the stakes sure. Like he's an innocent guy and his life, like he, like th that's, that's what that play is about is the stakes of, you know what I mean? So that's what makes that pretty compelling. I don't give me don't, that, that play, that, the play, uh, I might get crucified for this. The, the play was adapted into a stage play by two like British, comedians oh. and they they like you read their their bios and they have a lot of credits to their name um but i don't think that that really that that it was really done justice in their hands to be a hundred percent honest with you that's fair there was um um you know they they would say there was vernacular weird vernacular because um like you, you, we've seen the movie. There was a paint closet that they turned into the library. Yeah. Well, um, in the play, they didn't call it a. They they called the paint. Maybe it was a. They called it a weird, like a like a weird name, and it's like, what it? What are you talking about? They they called the the paint storage room. Um, I don't remember what it was. I'll have to look it up, but they, it, it was, it was, and so an American audience and, a, you know, an American, American, uh, convicts and yeah. an American audience, they're like the paint locker, the paint store. I think that's what it was. They called it the paint store. I think, don't quote me on that, but they okay. called it the paint store. And you're like paint store is somebody going buying paint in the, the, the jail. And it, it takes you out of it a little sure. bit. And the other thing that I really, really didn't like about the show is they had Red and Andy arguing in the final scene. What? That's that's like the final scene of the show. 
Yeah, their their final scene. It was like an almost an art. I argument's a, a heavy word. There was um, angst there between the two characters. Some contention. And it's like the whole beauty of the short story in the movie is that these two guys, especially in the book, is that's my favorite Stephen King book of all time. It's it's I love I like I wrote I've written a song based on lines out of that movie. I love it. But one of the things is that like Andy and Red don't get along at first, and they're kind of like. It's like peacocks, right? They're kind of sure. like uh, 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 lions checking each other. Not Andy so much because he's a little quieter. So it's not lions, probably not a great word, but they're not friends. The beauty of it is how they get to kind of like slowly respect each other. Sure. And then at the end, they're such good friends that that Andy goes, I'm getting out of here. You know, um, you know, they say that the Pacific has no memory. I want to go someplace. I don't think that's too much to ask to go someplace warm with no memory. And the play had that scene set up where Red, it was almost like um, Andy was like coming at him. Like, you got to believe me. Like he was, it was, it was difficult for me to play that because that should have been the scene where these two are now brothers. They're going to miss each other. They love each other in their own way. And it was not written that way. And it, it, it drove me. That that drove me nuts. So well, having never read the the short story um, and seen the movie, I, I mean, and I know that this is an exaggeration a million times. I mean, you turn on any basic cable channel, it's, and always, it's, it's on. always on, yeah. and it's one of those remote remote droppers. Like as soon as it's on, like you're watching, you're watching it no it. matter where it's at. Yeah. But I think they do a really good job in the movie, especially you know adding the narration and stuff like that. Um, but I think they do a very good job with uh, red sort of. Um, dramatizing that at first, because you know they had the bets on who was going to crack first, yep. and that cost him money and cigarettes mm-hmm. or whatever, and so there was already that contention there. But then, you know, like you said, they're slowly building that rapport where they all of a sudden they're and it's over twenty years or yeah, whatever it is, yeah. yeah. yeah and yeah, it's yeah. not it's not a week later. Um, but man, what a great movie! And I oh, I, I wish I would have seen uh, been able to see you in the show. I wish I could have been in the show to be honest with you. Um, that would have been great. I, I, man. Um, but the, the short story is also written from Red's perspective. So when you read, you read the, the, actually what the story is, is when he's in that hotel, like after he's on parole before he goes, when he's on parole and he's in the hotel room, he's writing all this down before he leaves. And he's like changed the name of Zawataneo. Yeah. He's put a different name in there yeah. so that they can't follow him. And this is a, a beautiful, beautiful example of what the stuff that I am attracted to versus the stuff that I would like to be in. You know what I mean? Yeah. In the short story, the short story ends with Red in the hotel room saying, I hope the Pacific Ocean is as blue as it has been in my dreams. I hope I can find my friend. I hope an old convict will be able to float across the border and into Mexico without getting caught. It's hope. Yeah. You don't you don't know for sure. The movie, you see them on the beach together at the end. And I me personally, I think it's so much more powerful and so much better to leave that in the imagination. Sure. And it, like it, it frustrates me every time when I see that. It's ending. kind of have a Hollywood ending. Yes. Yeah, they romanticized yeah. it, and and I, I've 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 thought about that too because, um, 
it frustrates me to watch the ending because like, well, if you're going to show them getting together on the beach, why not show we can't hear what they're saying and anything like that? Like, it, it almost seems like if that's the route you're going to take, you should have just left us um, with the image of him on the bus. Getting on the bus and right. leaving. And yes. we never yes. see him make it across the border. Yes. Look um, at the end of The Sopranos. Oh, yeah. It stops and everybody still talks about it. Yeah. Everybody has strong feelings about it. Yeah. You're pretty sure you know what happened, but you're still talking about it because of the way it ended. Right. It's up and, to your and interpretation. I think, I mean, Shawshank is already put up on the list of best movies of all time, but I, for me, that would catapult it towards the top of my all-time movies list sure. if they had cut out the last however many seconds of that movie where you see Red on the beach yeah. and he's walking up to Andy. Like, that's like, fuck you guys. Like, yeah. It's very unresolved, but also like they they could have left it more ambiguous because the theme of the fi the film is hope, right? Right. And you hope that that they that things go the way that they planned, but also the theme of the film is like, can someone who's been in a, in prison for decades, who's can institutionalized, they break those? Yes. yeah, and and you know Brooks, right? And and speaking of monologues, like that's one of those. Um, his suicide letter after right. he gets out of prison and, you know, he's, it's him narrating it, but like you, you know, they cut to the end of, after you see him swinging from the rope, mm -hmm. you hear Andy reading the the end of the suicide letter. And I, that's one of my favorite scenes in any movie ever, because like, um, I believe the actor's name is James Whitmore, um, who played Brooks, Brooks in the film, uh, a phenomenal actor and doesn't have a huge part. Uh, in the film, but like what but he, he knows the stakes, right? But he, what he does and how he's able to demonstrate that, like, I was in prison my entire life and now I'm out of prison. Everyone wants to get out of prison mm -hmm. until they get out of prison. And I can't hack it out here. Out out here, I'm nothing. I'm out nobody. Here, I'm nobody. I'm just an old man with arthritis in my hands. A convict. Yeah. Right. In there, I'm important. In yeah. there, I'm somebody. I'm, I'm in there. People know my name. And that's one of those things about that movie and that, that performance. It's like he does such a good job um, demonstrating it. And every time he dies in the film, like no matter how many times I've seen the movie, it gets me because mm -hmm. it's like it's so powerful. Um, and while we're on the subject of Stephen King, same thing with um, uh, The Green Mile. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan, who plays John Coffey in The Green Mile, um, and for my money, is the best part of that film. <laughs> Him and Sam Rockwell, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, the way he's able to just very, very subtly um, emote these things, like, you know, they they offer to set him free. They yeah. offer to let him go. Like, you're a miracle of God. And, you know, do you want us to let you go? No. Like, no, boss. I, I, I'm yeah. ready to die. I'm ready, yeah. It's, it's, I'm, it's, I've, I've had it. I think, man, this will get me crucified, too. Hopefully, I think Tom Hanks was miscast in that movie. I agree. I, I think agree. you read that story, you read that book, and he's got to be a, a, a he's got to be like uh, uh, the the bull's boss in in Shawshank, sure, uh, Cl uh, Clancy Brown. Yeah, you've got to believe that that guy can handle himself in a fight, and you don't believe Tom Hanks can handle himself in a fight in that movie. Yeah, and I got to say, not that, that he didn't do a bad job. I just think right, and and obviously, what goes into you know making a film and getting a fil film finance is sometimes. They'll say, "Listen, you make whatever movie you want to, but in this role, you, you, you got to have Tom guy. Hanks in yeah. this movie, or we're not we're not funding this yeah. film." 
And again, yeah, like you said, not that he did a bad job, but I, I agree. I think that he, um, there could have been someone else in that role that could have um, done it justice um, and would have been more convincing. Tom Hanks is like too nice. Yeah. He's too nice to be the, the yeah. head guy on a, on yeah. a green mile. Because yeah. right away, it was almost like there's no, it was almost like, you feel like right away, as soon as those two meet, like oh, the, they it's like they're buds or something like that. There was no, there was no build to where they got to where they got to. There was none of that edge that you would expect a sergeant to have or whatever. Yeah. You know, the the guy who runs the death row in a prison in the South at that time. Yeah, you don't have any of that edge, like. Um, like there's a there's a big scene where he shakes the guy's hand and everybody's like oh because you can't shake a convict's hand so he'll pull you like what is that scene in The Watchmen where uh, Rorschach pulls the guy in and they cut his arms off you you don't shake a guy's hand and Tom Hanks you like you know he's gonna shake hands but like if you'd have seen I don't know Harrison Ford or somebody you you would have seen that thought process sure. and that yeah. You know. Um, I can't remember that actor's name, but in, in Watchmen, uh, Rorschach, that dude's a great, great yeah. actor. Yeah. Um, and I feel bad that I don't know his name, but we digress. Uh, auditions, reading plays, reading, reading plays. as many scripts as you yep. possibly can. Yep. Even if, you know, maybe you're not the most experienced theater person, the only way that you can sort of maybe broaden your horizons and see what's out there and see what sort of, um, uh, drives you to to be in shows or to audition is to to read scripts. Right. Um, now, as far as going to see shows, what kind of determinations do you make as far as seeing shows? Like, are you just like, hey, this theater's doing this show. I'm just going to go catch the show to see what it's like. By now, you know, after seeing, I I think I've seen twelve shows so far this year. Um, in 2024. In 2024. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I don't really need to look this up. Um, but uh, uh, by now, the, here we go. Is that including Avenue Q? Uh, let me, I'll tell you in a split second here because I've got it right in my phone. So 13, including Avenue Q. Nice. And I've already got tickets for the next two. And then so far this year, I've read uh, hashtag humblebrag <laughs> 12. I've read 12 so far this year. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so you get an idea, like I said, you start to get an idea of, um, like, dude, it's expensive to go see shows. Some theaters have an artist rate. If you're an actor, you're an artist, call the theater and say, do you have an artist rate? How does your artist rate work? Most of the times, the theaters will not pre-sell artist tickets. You have to show up the day of, and if there's anything available, they'll sell you an artist ticket. You know, the artist tickets will be available an hour before uh, showtime, an hour before curtain. But y y you'll start to figure out, hey, this company... Um, does these kind of shows, I'm going to go see whatever they're doing because I think it's going to be pretty good. Hey, this theater is a theater I want to get into. I'm going to go see their shows to to find out what else they're doing and, right. and, and see if I can talk to somebody at the box office about when they're out doing auditions um, and, and that kind of thing. And then also, um, yeah, when, when I go to see shows, really it's just to go see... Most of the time, I will go see a show, you know, that somebody's in, 
somebody I know is in. I sure. try to go see stuff. I it's there's it's hard to see everything, um, but uh, I'll try to go see stuff that people I know are in, or um, maybe a director that like oh this guy is this guy or girl's directing stuff. I really want to go see what else they're doing sure. and, and and see what's going on. So it's it's that kind of stuff. There's other shows where you kind of go watch the show. <laughs> we can edit this out later. <laughs> well, you know, but but you know, there's there's theaters that maybe I would never be able to work in, but I'm still gonna go see the shows because, you know, you know what I did not too long ago is I signed up for a thing called the Saints down in Chicago. Okay. And the Saints down in Chicago, you pay a hundred bucks, and it's a volunteer organization, and you usher shows. So I will go. Like two weeks ago, I went down and saw a preview. I ushered a preview for Richard the Third at Chicago Shakespeare Theater, Chicago Shakes on Navy Pier. Those preview tickets were like seventy-two bucks. I didn't check this myself, but I heard they were like seventy bucks. And the actual show, hundred and twenty bucks, hundred and fifty bucks. I usher and I get there early and help people find their seats and then I get to see the show. Sure. It's super fucking cool because I got to see professional level, touring level actors. The lead in that show of Richard III had been in a show with, directed by Philip Seymour Hoffman and Tom Hardy was in it. when Before he was anybody, he was so nobody that the rumor is that they had to fight to get his to get him into the country because there was like an issue with his green card and sure. working or whatever whatever the thing was but that's the level of stuff you know and so you pay a hundred bucks and you go see one or two shows and you make your money back and then you get to go see these professional level shows and you get there early you get to see their fight call you get to see their warm-ups you get to see these stuff that we all do it was so the first time i saw that it was so mind-boggling because i'm like i've done that i was like a puppy dog i've done that we do i do that same thing i do that like it was so cool sure. to watch that and go the the experience that i'm getting now will translate it's not like a like if i went to a movie set i'd be a little out of my depth but if i got a role in some sort of higher level thing like that i wouldn't be that out of my depth because i know what a fight call is i know we warm up we do all this stuff whether you're in the community theater or the professional theater i think um there's something to be said to um whether you uh go the route you did which is um you know that that uh going to chicago and ushering uh, i think ushering is a great thing because it's a it's a way to see theater because a lot of times when you usher um at a theater for a show you get to see the show mm -hmm. um, after you've um, ushered everyone in. And so you're exposing yourself to lots of different theater, lots of different actors, lots of different genres and stuff like that. So um, that's a, I think that's a great tip um, if you can, if you're looking to um, maybe broaden your horizons or, or, or see more shows, usher at a theater. I know the Racine theaters are always looking for ushers, so that's... Yeah. That's great to do the Chicago scene. I think it's the Saints are unusual. I think it's an unusual uh, uh, organization. I don't think I think it's 
We had an orientation Zoom call, and I had rehearsal that night that I couldn't get out of. So I went to rehearsal, then went out to my car and got on a Zoom call <laughs> and uh, had the orientation. So I wasn't 100% concentrated on the orientation. But it, they said something like they were the largest volunteer organization, theater volunteer organization in the country or the world or something like that. But, I mean, Steppenwolf, Goodman, all these theaters in Chicago, big and all the storefront theaters, too, that have smaller stages. I saw Dial M for Murder three different times in a month. And I'll tell you what, as an actor trying to learn stuff, seeing three different productions was fan-fucking-tastic. Because I'm the dude that I go in and watch a show, and the first time I see it, I'm kind of bowled over. Sure. Right? You know, I'm like, what's going to happen? I'm biting my fingernails. I'm in involved, sure. intense. You know, what's going to happen? But the second and third time... That stuff's gone because you know what's coming, and you start going, oh, that actor in the last production made that choice. This, right. this actor's making this choice. To see it three different times, I saw it at the Rep, I saw it down at the Northlight Theater in Illinois, and then I saw the Theater Guild do it. It was like, dude, just those three nights felt like a semester of acting class because wow. you got you got such a different vibe from every from these three different ways every character was played. It was incredible. I loved it. It's like having a bird's eye view into three different things and um, being able to like take notes or like. Yes. That's so cool. Yeah, um, it was incredible. And then you, you get to start doing things like, oh, the first time I thought that character wasn't as strong. The second time that same character wasn't as strong, maybe it's not the fucking actor. Maybe it's the fucking playwright. Sure. The playwright has written that character a specific way, and the actor was doing what they could with that material. Because not every show has really well-written characters for the whole show. You, you, you know? It was... It was incredible. I like if you can see different productions in a in a very close time frame like that, do it. Even if you can see the same show at the beginning of the run and the end of the run, it's, it's two super different valuable. shows. It's, it's two super different valuable. shows. Yep. Um, so I know that we've gotten a little niche um, in some of the conversation here because, uh, not that that's a bad thing, but there are a lot of people who will listen to this who maybe again are just locally here doing community theater, whether it's Kenosha, mm -hmm. Racine, uh, Northeast Illinois, whatever the case may be, Milwaukee. Um, if you could sum up in, in the, the best way possible when it comes to an audition um, and preparing for an audition, what kind of advice would you give to the very green, maybe new to the uh, community theater scene in terms of from... Uh, finding a show they want to audition for all the way through getting to the audition? Uh, I think on the community theater level, I would, uh, if you, if you're, uh, on the community theater level, they hold auditions for, um, for most of the, for the, every individual show, right? Um, they don't do the general, general auditions as much on a community theater level. So what I would do is I would um, read the script that you're auditioning for, mm -hmm. read it, um, um, make sure you understand the whole breadth of the script and use that root system. Cause when, even when you walk in, you don't know what they're going to have you do, right? So they're going to hand you a script and they're going to say here, read for Ralph. And you gotta, you gotta, re if you've already read the script, 
you look at that scene, you go, oh, I remember what's happening before, during, and after this sure. scene. I know all that stuff. I already know the relationships. I know what the objective is. I know the obstacle, and I know what I'm going to use as a tactic, and I know what I'm going to do as the stakes. In auditions, you may not always, in community theater auditions, um, you're often asked if you want to read for a certain part. Sure. Read for that part and take big swings. Um, keep in mind that the director doesn't hate you. The director doesn't think you suck. The director is rooting for you. Because if you succeed in that audition, you have solved the problem for the director. If you walk in and, and you do really well in a part, you, you really showcase stuff, they go, oh, that's... That's my, that's Ralph. Right. And uh, I've got my Ralph. That's one thing off my checklist of things to do. So they are rooting for you. They want you to succeed. Sure. If you fall on your face, if you trip down the stairs at your (laughs) audition and you stand up, they're rooting for you to, they're not going to go, this guy fucking foul. You know, they're rooting for you. (laughs) So, so, so know the show, read the script. If they want you to prepare a monologue, um, prepare a monologue, uh, find I've been told, and I think it's true, don't look for a three-minute monologue. Look for a 60-second monologue. Sure. Keep it short. You know, it's difficult because longer monologues, you can fit more stuff in and you've got more of an arc, but you can always take your editor pen out and cut stuff out. Sure. So let me back up a little bit. If you're auditioning for a show, call the theater and ask what the auditions are going to be like. Am I going to be reading from sides? Can I check out the script? Because a lot of times, uh, I think the theater guild will let you rent, uh, you know, you put a $10 deposit down. Yeah, you can check out the script ahead of time. And you check out the script. So read the script, understand the script, understand what's going on, the root system, relationship, obstacle, objective, tactic, and stakes. And, um, 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 Call the theater, ask what the theater is going to be like. Uh, for Shawshank, I had to get up and I had to do a red monologue. Well, I wasn't auditioning for red. Sure. I would have taken the red part, but I didn't want to be red. I wanted to be Andy. Sure. Um, but Andy they do frame. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, so ask what they're, ask, uh, you know, be bold. Is there any way I can find out what sides are being used? Then you've got a day, you've got a week, a day, a couple of days sure. to look at those sides and make those decisions when you're not in the heat of the moment and nervous. So call the theater, find out the show, read the script, um, do as much prep work as you can because the 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 acting seems to be about prep work and make taking big swings. Take big swings in an audition. The director can always go, that's too much. Stakes are too high. It's not that important. Sure. It's much easier to dial you back than to try to ramp you up. Sure. So if you walk in and you take big swing, I'm not talking about like scratch yourself and cry and run and bounce off the walls or whatever. You know, there's there's some decorum, um, but take big swings. Um, because you're you're it's again it's a job interview you're you're trying to sell yourself to the it's your trailer it's yes. your sizzle reel and keep in mind you're not trying to to show off the your perfect interpretation of the role because that might change over time. Take big swings. The director, a lot of times, what I've experienced is that a director will ask you to do something. Uh, okay, do it again, but do it as if you stubbed your toe. Okay, do it again, but do it really pissed off. Doing it pissed off would be a terrible direction because that's not very clear. Sure. Uh, but do it again and the stakes are higher. Whatever they tell you, 
take a massive swing. If they tell you to be angry, be as pissed off as you've ever been, veins bulging in your forehead, you're spitting, you're yelling, take a big swing. They're not looking for your exact interpretation in that moment. What they're looking for is, can you take direction? Right. Can you take something and adjust on the fly? And can you commit to it? Can you commit to it? Sure. Yes. Uh, yes. Can you take direction and can you make an adjustment? So take big swings. Take big swings. Now, when it comes to a musical, because you've done your fair share of musicals. One or two. Um, <laughs> our first show together was a musical. Absolutely. Um, I mean, on stage, not, well, anyway. Uh, <laughs> But when it comes to a musical, um, do you sing something that is in vain of the character that you're trying to audition for? Do you just sing you know, any old show tune? What I've heard is that you don't want to audition with a song from the show. Unless they specifically require Unless they specifically require say that, sure. yeah. Um, you, but what I would do if I had to audition for a show and they say something in the vein of, uh, YouTube that songwriter. YouTube that playwright. And uh, so uh, if you're going for Into the Woods, you don't want to do a song from Into the Woods. Look up Sondheim. Sure. What other songs has Sondheim done for people in your age range and your, your, your all, all your, your voice stuff. range? Yes, yeah. all that stuff. Uh, what else has Sondheim done? So do, or the other thing to do is if you're doing, um, Let's say you're doing Avenue Q. Well, that's a comedy type of, of role. What other comedic musicals are out there sure. that you could do something from? You had a, per, you said at the beginning, you did uh, Fucker Gently from Tenacious D. Yep. That's a funny song, and you were auditioning for a funny show. So Tenacious D didn't write Avenue Q. But you had the right, you had the perfect idea of doing something in the vein of, right? right? I, I swung for the fences, essentially. Like exactly, you were right. So when you do the generals, they'll ask you for a contemporary monologue and a classic monologue. Classic usually means like Shakespeare or Moliere or something in a, in a heightened speech or old vernacular or something sure. like that. And contemporary is as as new as you can do and then a song you don't start at the top of the song you have like again the, the bridge into the into the outro kind of thing or the part that showcases your vocal range you know if you if you've got a section and a verse that goes over two octaves do that section sure um, um, remember you've got five minutes in the room at the general. So if you come in with your stuff already prepared, you better have it timed. I have a, a Google document with 10 or 12 monologues by now. And every one of those monologues has a little couple of lines about what the character's doing and what's going on. And then it's also got a timestamp. This one's a minute, two seconds. This one's 40 seconds. This one's a minute and a half. I've got one monologue, uh, from a show called the pillow man that is broken up into two. If I, if somebody said, I want an angrier monologue, uh, I'd go to that one. It's two minutes long, but if I don't have that much time, I'll cut it into half and I'll just do the first minute or I'll do the second minute. The first, first half is like a minute. Second half is like 50 seconds. Sure. So as you start going through, you start collecting monologues. Ah, oh, this is one I could do. Ah, oh, this one is longer. This one's shorter. This one's funny. This one's dramatic. So do, do that prep work. Do, you know, ask somebody on the street, Hey, can I? do this monologue for you for 60 seconds. Sure. Um, do it at the diner, you know, 
to the waiter, <laughs> the diner, and and just and just start doing stuff. Because what I really enjoy about doing stuff like that is that do it when you're driving down the road because your brain's thinking about keeping you on the road. At the diner, your brain's thinking about all the other people in the diner. Right. There's all these distractions. So when you go into the room and you've got 24 directors just leaning on their fists, just staring at you like, okay, solve my problems. Right. You're not distracted by that because you've already had this practice, practice, right. practice, practice. Film yourself, watch it. Film yourself, watch it. Um, and 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 just practice, practice, practice. And start with monologues from shows you know. You know. Sure. Um, I just had a director tell me this week, like, don't do a monologue from a show you've done. If you haven't done that many shows and you don't know that many monologues, you got to start someplace. Right. So if you did Sound of Music and you had a, a speech in Sound of Music that was a paragraph long, start there and record it. Uh, uh, start there with that monologue. You got to build off of you it. You got to build off of it. And you go in. And for a while, I did uh, a speech from Lombardi. Uh, I forgot you did that show. Uh, yeah, uh, <clears throat> a Paul Horning speech. It wasn't. It's not a great monologue piece because I'm telling a story. I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything. I'm, it's it's memory. When you're telling a memory, that's a harder monologue to do because you're like telling a story. It's better to do a monologue where you've got somebody in front of you that you're trying to convince of right. something, or you're trying to talk to, or you need something from, or you need to tell them something and memory as opposed to recounting something that yeah, already yeah. happened yeah um but I, I i used that monologue last year and they went okay thank you <laughs> <laughs> that was it right so um what about uh resumes and headshots is that something that people should um try to have when they walk into an audition because i i, I will admit i in auditioning at new theaters recently um I thought I should probably have a resume because I see, you know, I look at the audition, the casting call or whatever, and I see, you know, bring a resume and a headshot. And I'm thinking, I don't have this stuff. Right. Um, is that something that people should bring to every audition? That's a good question as well. Again, if you call the theater and you sure. say, yeah. you know, put that on your list of questions. Can I see the sides? Can I see the monologues? Can I rent a script? Do I need a headshot and resume? Now, headshot and resume, this is the kind of stuff, like when I was 22, I was broke as fuck. And if if you said, I got to go print up copies at the copy center, I'd be like, holy shit, I can't afford that. Copy center, downtown Kenosha, I had 10 headshots printed up the other day. It was like eight bucks. Um, Great and then business. I, and then I fucking... <laughs> Side note, I went down to Chicago for an audition. I was in and out of the building in 20 minutes after a two-hour ride in traffic. I was in and out of the building in 20 minutes. I was like, I'm going to go get something to eat. Went and got something to eat, fucking left my headshots at the table. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> so it's like, you fucking idiot. Well, the good news is they were only eight bucks. So, right. Yeah. But so call the theater and ask. I think that... Headshots on a resume are good. You should put that together. Keep it in a Google Doc that you can print up, update it as you go. Um, sometimes I even adjust mine. If I'm going to, for a musical, I'll take all my musicals and put them towards the top of the list. Well, of course. You know, or if I'm going for something dramatic, I'll put the Shakespeare towards the top of the list. Not that I've done a ton of Shakespeare, but you 
you know what I'm well, saying. When you uh, when you when you apply for a new job, you're trying to put your best foot forward. So you you know you're right. trying to polish your resume to like, hey, they want I, you know I'm 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 uh, I'm applying for this job to be head chef. I'm going to put all of my kitchen yes. and chef experience right at the yes. top. I'm not going to put oh I was I picked up dog shit at the at the at the park. Um, Mine has three sections. It's got. Uh, the first section is all my roles. So the first column is the show. The second column is the part I played. And the third column is the... Theater? The theater company okay. and the director. Okay. Because as we know, the, the, multi, theater companies could have multiple directors. Sure. Right? That's fair. The second one is um, training. So I've got like I've taken all the comedy sports classes. So I put all the comedy sports classes in there. I've done like I mentioned earlier. I did a audition intensive at the Milwaukee Rep. I sure. put that on there. I went to Chicago for a, a, a half a day intensive or or course or whatever. I put all that stuff on there. Um, and then my third one is I used to call it FAQs, um, but uh, uh, a, in that Rep audition intensive, the guy goes, "Don't put FAQs. Put additional info." Sure. And I went, okay. And then when I auditioned for him, <laughs> that's a funny story. When I auditioned for him, I got, I was walking into the theater and realized that I had old, old headshots yeah. that he had seen that said FAQ. And I thought if I audition for this guy and he sees my, he, that I didn't take his advice, I'm out. I ran back to my car, got the updated ones and ran back to the theater and showed up out of breath. But so for headshot and resume, a lot of times this stuff is online. When I signed up for the Milwaukee uh, uh, rep uh, uh, generals, you just download it. So you don't have to print stuff. You just have headshot in a JPEG file. These days, you can the cameras are good enough on your phone. You could take a selfie and find a selfie that you like. Don't make it at the bar when you've got glassy eyes and you're like, you know, put a little thought and effort into it. If you've got the money to go get professional headshots done, do that. But if you don't, you're just starting out. Again, call the theater. You don't want to spend money. You don't have to. Sure. Call the theater. If they want a headshot and resume printed up, take a selfie, call the copy center in downtown Kenosha, send them the stuff. They'll print a couple for you for five, 10 bucks. You know, if you only want five of them done, it'll, it won't cost that much. And, and they get it done quick too. Yes. They, they, they do pretty, I, you know, I don't want to put them on the spot and go, yeah, they'll turn around for you right away, you know? No, but they, they, they get them, they get them done in a very reasonable amount of time. I mean, yes. obviously they service a lot of people in the city, but like, you're not waiting three weeks for headshots. No, 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 no. I went down there and, uh, uh, I emailed them the, my, the last time I got headshots for the, uh, Chicago audition. Yeah. <laughs> I emailed them and I didn't hear anything back. And I went in the next day. Usually it takes a day. And I went in. And I said, you guys got them done? And they went, oh, no, we missed that email. And they did it while I was standing there. That's nice of them. Shop local. Don't go to Office Max or Office Depot or Kinko's. Shop local. Does Kinko still exist? Uh, maybe. I don't know. But you know what I mean. Suddenly it's like 1998. Uh, you go to the local shop. Um, I know that the roadie uses uh, the copy center a lot. Yes. They have a, they've had a longstanding relationship yep. with them. And they do great stuff over there. And um, uh, and you, like when I directed Charlie Brown and I had to send the, the program over and that kind of stuff. I mean, it was just very quick, very cordial. They're very, um, I mean... They, they know what they're doing over yeah. there. So, and again, and not to say, oh, well, the, the, they're going to get it done in five minutes. So just head on over there. And um, right. no, but they're very reasonably priced and, and they get it done in a reasonable amount of time. Right. And so. And if you're just starting out, put everything you can think of on your resume. Sure. 
Dude, if you and that's important. Sorry to cut you off. Uh, you know, if you've never done shows before, you've got one show. Your resume is going to look a little bleak. Right. Um, so yeah. Uh, sorry. Continue. If you assistant stage managed in high school, sure. if you you know whatever it is, put it on there. I the last line of my resume says I believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> and I've gotten comments from directors. <laughs> I know the moment that they hit that because they chuckle. Right. And they people have asked me about that. Um, it, it, it's just a little way to stand out. And sure. maybe I have a little bit of a sense of humor or whatever. Like, I'll put that on a resume. Um, well, I, if you think about it, say 100 people audition for a show. People are going to start to run together. You're going to start to forget faces or even an audition. And sometimes a director will sit there and they've they've been listening to people drone on all day. And they're like, I have to sit through this. But that little thing, you know, I believe in Bigfoot. Yes. Might be the thing, yeah. Um, Put every instrument that you play. I have every instrument that I play on there. I have stuff that has nothing to do with acting. I have... Skin flute. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I have, like, my painting stuff. Sure. I have poetry. You know, I'm a published poet. I was in a rock band, and we were on tour. Stuff that you can do that, if your resume is a little light, put stuff on there because... You may think it doesn't have anything to do with stuff, but if a, if a director looks at that and goes, oh, you've only had one credit, but I see that you uh, uh, have organized an open mic or ran sure. an open mic, there's a teamwork uh, ethic. That kind translates of, to theater. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and again... Call the th- on a community theater level. Call the theater, find out what they want because you don't want to blow a bunch of money on stuff that you don't necessarily need. Right, right? and 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 I would say in, in my experience and probably yours too, community theaters are are typically very welcoming and they you know they'll happily answer whatever questions you have about auditions or mm-hmm. or getting involved. They want the, they want people to come in. They want yeah. fresh new faces. They're yeah. looking for and the community theater that I've done. They've never asked for a headshot or resume. It's very rare that you see that. Yeah. Um, they will have a form that you fill out listing your stuff. So if you have in your phone, if you call them and they say, we don't need a headshot and resume, but you know you're going to show up and have to fill out a form. Bring it ha- with you. Bring it with you. And then you can, you can either say, see attached, if that's easy, or you've got it in your phone. You don't have to rack your brains. You you uh, you've got it in your form, especially if you've got a lot of uh, theater experience. Filling out one of those cards um, or sheets is is daunting, and I hate writing and I have terrible handwriting. So, right. um, having a resume is, is handy for that reason. See attached. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> just look at the... show up early so you can fill out stuff out. If the audition's at seven, get there at six forty-five. You don't know how you're going to park. You don't know if you can find your way in the place. You don't know if you get in the building, if you're going to go to the wrong. Get there, 640, 645. You, you don't know if construction shut down the, the main route there. Yeah, yeah, you don't know any of that stuff. Get there early. Give yourself time to fill it out so that you're calm, cool, and collected. If you get there at 640, you fill the stuff out, then you are you get to go, okay, I'm done with that part. Where are the sides? They give you the sides. You get a couple minutes to look over. Sure. Um. This has been great, I, I have to say, and you and I have been talking about having this conversation for quite some time. Yes. Um, and, and again, maybe um, especially for the for the, the novice out there, the, the new to community theater, some of this stuff may not have, um, may not land with them because they, they might be above their heads because mm-hmm. they're, they're new into the game. But like a lot of this stuff is pretty universal in that like, you know, just being prepared, not necessarily knowing everything there is to know about the show 
or whatever, but just being prepared to know, like, I'm going to go in here and do the best that I possibly can to convince whoever I'm doing this in front of that I'm the right person for the job. Um, And also, you know, the one thing you said is, is swing for the fences. Yeah. Um, And I, I think that's huge. Yeah. Um, I, I, this might be dangerous to say, but if anybody wants to Facebook message me or email me, I love talking about this shit. I'll, t- I'll talk like I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert. I'm not the fucking world's greatest actor by any means, but I love talking about it. And, uh, so if anybody's got questions, you can feel free to freaking email me or message me on Facebook. Or and something. certainly, you know, we can, we can have a follow up conversation about this because People may reach out and say, hey, can you explain more about this or mm-hmm. can you have him on again and, 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 and talk about this or that kind of thing. And I think I think one of the reasons I wanted to have this conversation with you, one, is because you have um, a lot of experience, but also um, you have a very enthusiastic way of looking at things that doesn't um, isn't patronizing, isn't, you know, um, candy coating things. It's just very matter of fact and very basic like hey this is what i've experienced and you know if this is what you're going to do you should probably look at it from this standpoint it's not always going to be that way but like at least you have the the broad strokes of what to expect when you're walking into an audition or or something like that because some of the stuff that you talked about um i i didn't even know um or i wouldn't even have have guessed um but there's you know I've done a fraction of the theater that you've done, and a lot of it has been at the same place. And, and, and I'm not saying that I'm not a fraction. I just read your bio yesterday. You did like 40 shows in the last year or two. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is that like my my experience is mostly in one place, in one area. You've branched out so far, and you've worked with different directors in different theaters in different groups. With different actors, I am and trying to challenge myself. Yeah, and that way, and, yeah. and I think it it helps lend perspective that in in a in the broad world that is theater, whether it's community or otherwise, um, there's more to it than just Norgi auditioned at this show for you know like it's nice to to have people be able to hear um, that there's a lot out there and just to hear different experiences because you know people will ask you all the time in theater um you me whoever hey like how do i prep for this show or how do i prep for an audition or you know what did you do when you did this and you know you always want to um give them an honest opinion and 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 get them excited or whatever but also like there's always that pressure like i don't want to steer this person wrong just because i did it this way or just because i i approached it this way doesn't mean you have to do it that way and i always try to tell people in a nutshell in my experience like you know just be prepared give it you know give it a thousand percent if it's a musical and you have to sing a song sing something that is um in the vein of the show if it's a if it's a you know if you're if you're doing uh i'm trying to think of a musical if you're doing shrek you know sing something that might fit the theme of the show if you're doing hairspray sing something that might sing the theme of the show um but you know if you're doing uh if you're doing the music man you're not going to sing something from Les Mis or or something like that. You know, you, you tr- at least try to have something in the vein of the show so it sort of lends itself to what you're doing. But also, like, you know, it sh- when you walk into that audition, if that's the first time you're ever, ever looking at the show or you're not familiar with it, I almost feel like, you know, like I said, you're setting yourself up to maybe fail because you're going to read, like you said, they might say, hey, read for Ralph. 
Well, I, I who the fuck know. is Ralph? Right. Like, what is he? Yeah. Right. I, you know, I fell in love with being Bob, and you're having me read for Ralph. Why? Why didn't you have me read for Bob? Well, yeah. you didn't tell me that you wanted to read for Bob. You didn't say that you, that you know. So there's a lot to it. So just um, getting your ducks in a row ahead of time is always um, a good thing, no matter what the audition is. And it's terrifying to audition. Uh, I the other thing that I say is audition for everything. Audition for everything you can. Like, I don't care, audition. You have to be very careful because you don't want to audition for stuff and tell a director you're available if you're not available. Um, so that sometimes gets a little bit... You have to be very careful that you're not... Um, because if you audition for something and they spend a week casting it and then they call you and go, hey, I want to put you in this. Oh, I can't do that. I'm already casting something else. That's fucking shitty. And you, you're not going to have a good time at that theater in the future. Yeah, if you have a time at all. Right. But if you think there's any chance that you have the time and, you know, some of these shows I got to drive to and I got to adjust uh, my work schedule for it. If there's any chance you can be in the show audition because auditioning is a skill, just like being on stage for a long time, I had a lot of stage experience and not a lot of audition experience. And I'm building up that audition experience. You get to know, okay, I'm going to go in here and I know what I'm going to kind of see. I maybe don't know the specifics, but it's not going to be so intimidating. Right. And I think to sort of draw back to what you said before, um, where you said the director doesn't hate you. And, right, and no, I think that's, yes. that's that's a very important point because you're not going to get every role that you ever wanted. You're not going to get cast in every show that you auditioned for. But the important thing is, no matter what, don't get discouraged. Continue to go out there and chip away at it, and and hone your craft, and um, seek out the advice or network with people who have the experience, or you know, talk to the director if you can. You know, what could I do to improve, talk to other directors, that kind of thing. It's it's one of those things where you don't it's it's not personal in most cases. It's really not. Um, you just have to keep trying at it. It's it's not a overnight thing. And and don't get me wrong, we know that there are people out there that are incredibly talented naturally, right. that they could just walk into a room and poof. It's good, like yeah. they were born to to do this. Yeah. But for those of you out there who maybe feel I'm um, not the strongest actor and I'm not the strongest singer, the strongest dancer, you know, you know how you get to Carnegie Hall practice. Exactly. And, and that goes along with what you were saying, Matt, like audition for everything that you can just get the experience. Yes. Um, cause experience is invaluable in, in theater. And auditioning is a skill. Yes. It's, you're not, again, you're not trying to give your version of that character. You're trying to present yourself. Yeah. You need to convince that room full of people in that, 20, 30 minutes or whatever it is that you are the right person for that. And the audition starts the moment you walk in the room. Yep. The, the audition starts the moment. So how you carry yourself when you walk in. Um, I've, I know I've fucked that up at times, but th- like, it's like you walk in, you're excited to be there. You're happy. And you're like, I am going to solve this, this casting problem. I'm a problem solver. Yeah. I'm going to solve this practice um, thing for you. And also, uh, well, I lost my train of thought completely. Um, I had something profound to say. That's okay. Oh, it's almost cliche to say this, I think. Um, every show that you do is an audition for the next show, if you're at a theater. You don't know who's in the audience. Right. That's correct. Um, and also, if you get cast in a show, 
and you're a giant asshole um, or you're difficult to work with or, you know, you're doing things during the run of a show that weren't rehearsed or weren't practiced, mm-hmm. your chances of being cast in a show again there are now decreasing because you you are you are doing things that you weren't supposed to do. What's Again, uh, every show you do is an audition for the next one. I am so glad that... You know, I've been pushing myself farther and farther lately, sure. and I'm so glad that I had some life experience before that, because if I had been pushing myself when I was in my early, mid, late 20s, in my 20s at all, if I had been trying to do some of the acting stuff that I'm doing now, I was a little prick by then. I was, back then, I was a little fucking asshole by then, and all the asshole tendencies aren't quite out of me <laughs> yet, <laughs> but uh, but what, what I'm saying is that I... Um, you're you're you couldn't have said it better if i had been auditioning in milwaukee and chicago when i was 22 um and gotten roles i'd have been a a a jerk and like it would have been i i needed some of that life experience to kind of roughen me up and go man you can't just like lip off at the mouth all the time and you you gotta you gotta have a filter you needed to face plant on stage a couple of times i needed to face plant a couple of times figuratively and literally so um before we wrap this up, um, one of the things that we wanted to talk about was you have a um, a benefit coming up. For I do, yes. Women and Children's Horizons, yes. which um, I it's a great organization. I I DJed a fundraiser for them uh, last week Saturday, mm-hmm. which was wonderful. Um, a great organization. Great. They, they do a lot for um, the community and. Um, you know, one of the things that's uh, come to pass is that their funding has been cut by 70%, which will take effect in like October unless legislation is passed and, mm-hmm. and things. But um, which is why these benefits and these fundraisers are so much more important because they're going to depend so heavily now on these because yeah. the, the government funding is going to be kaput. So tell us about... Um, the benefit when it is and and what it is that you're doing so the women and children's horizons of kenosha is an organization that provides funding and support for women and children in abusive relationships so if someone were to find themselves and or their children in an abusive relationship they will help with just about everything you could think of from fi- like um literally if if you're like leaving the situation and you're in the, um, the, the, the middle of the night and you're escaping the house, they will help you find shelter. They will help you find food and they will help give you guidance to get you back on your feet. I can't speak enough about this organization. The first time I came across this organization was decades ago. I was a taxi cab driver. And I, uh, in Kenosha, in Kenosha, and I got hired to, to take a woman out of a situation and all of her belongings and take them into the, to, to the women and children's horizons for it's a different place now. But I remember being so shocked because like I was like 18, 19 at the time I was super young and I just wanted to like, I'm do I'm at my job and I knew a little bit about this situation and she had all these bags and backpacks and suitcases and I wanted to help bring them into the house and the lady running the place was very nice but very firm 
step back. Yep. You are not allowed in this place. And I'm like, I'm just trying to, no, sir, step back. She was not angry or pissed off, but she was firm. Right. And that was like, oh, okay, they are, this is a safe space and this is a safe place. So they even provide stuff like, um, you know, I've offered my services to them. If you are living on your own and your faucet leaks, maybe your ex-boyfriend or ex-partner was a plumber. It'd be pretty easy to call him to come fix the faucet right. and then the cycle starts over again. So they help with people that can come fix that faucet so you don't have to put yourself back in that position. Sure. They have programs to help get you, get you started at school, going back for your degree, all kinds of stuff. So it's incredibly important, incredibly needed. And uh, last year... Um, I ran into, uh, the, the CEO, Jennifer Payne at a, um, um, Governor Evers did a, a listening session at the museum or something downtown sure. and I ran into her again and, um, I had already set up my show, my acoustic show that I was doing. And I thought, well, you know, I'm going to put out my guitar case. I'm going to put out a, a, a tip jar and everything I make, I'm going to give to that that place that night. And, um, I did it as social on sixth and they were so kind. They didn't charge me to do the show, which is incredible. And, um, I did it and we raised a thousand bucks, which I kid you not, if I'd have made 200, I'd have been happy. And I thought to myself, if I get 500 bucks, I'm going to be over the moon. And we got a thousand bucks and I was blown away. So this year I wanted to do it again. And this year we're doing it at Social on 6th in Racine, a couple doors down from 6th Street Theater. Mm -hmm. uh, in the heart of downtown Racine. Heart of downtown, right on 6th Street. Um, um, 324 6th Street, I believe is the uh, uh, address. But uh, Social on 6th, they're on Facebook. You can Google them. They have a website. Um, now that space is going away here fairly soon. But from what I understand, Social on 6th will continue on doing some of their they have they do great stuff they do a badass women night where um, it's a networking opportunity for women just you can come and have tea you don't have to network but it's the joan joan rory is the uh, uh owner of social on six does great stuff she's so super cool so super funny 324 6th so, street yeah that's I the was address right. okay yep. good so it's march 15th 6 to 9 p.m no cover. We'll put out the uh, uh, the guitar case again. If you just want to come listen to me sing sad sad songs, you can do that. Uh, if you want to come and throw money in, that's fine. That's a Saturday, by the way. No, it's not. It's a Friday. The sixteenth. I said the fifteenth. Did oh, I I'm say sixteenth? I don't know. It's the fifteenth. Maybe you said. Oh, I, I apologize. Friday, March fifteenth. My bad. Friday, March fifteenth. Oh yeah. Six to nine p.m. There's a, a new restaurant right next door. Plenty of eating downtown, and what I'm excited about this time is Zachary Scott Johnson is coming down. So super talented guy. Super talented guy. He makes his living teaching and playing mu music in St. Paul, Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, a year or so ago. Uh, <laughs> I invited myself up to one of his shows. He did a Tom Waits concert. And I'm like, 
uh, same kind of thing. I'm going to get out of town and I'm going to go do a show up in Minneapolis and uh, had a great time, did three or four songs with him, literally drove up there, did the songs and drove back. I didn't even stay overnight. But uh, it's a he's, long drive. Well, I was so giddy Jacked, about yeah. yeah about playing and uh, that that it was uh, fun. And the idea when I drove back, it's like, well, I'll get see how far I get back, and then you know if I need to pull over and find a hotel, I will. But sure. uh, um, so he's been kind enough; he's going to do an hour set, and uh, we're going to play a couple of songs together. I'm super stoked. Um, he's donating his time. I, you know, I was like, well, I'll take some of the money and like y- your time is valuable and gas money. He's like, no, it's a good cause. Uh, he's from Racine. That's how I know him. We were in shows together. We did a show at the theater guild where we were brothers. And what uh, show was that? That was King of the Moon. Ah. And, uh, I got to say fuck on stage at the theater guild, which was a, at the time kind of a big deal. And uh, but a great, great show. That show started with um, us, uh, the, the sounds of me and my wife making love off stage while you hear heard the moon landing in 1969. So, um, I've heard you say fuck plenty of times at the theater guild on, <laughs> on stage, it had nothing to do with the script. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so uh, so I'm just super thrilled to be able to do this. I hope we can make another thousand bucks uh, for Women and Children's Horizons. March fifteenth, six to nine p.m. No cover. Just come. the The bar will be open. Um, social on sixth. Social on sixth. Downtown Racine, six to nine p.m. Um, get a bite to eat beforehand and uh, uh, go go uh, or go out to eat and have a bite afterwards. You don't have to stay the whole time, but it's. Dude, I had such a wonderful, laid-back, relaxed time. It was, it was so fun. And Zach's ZJ is so freaking cool, man. And we're gonna have a blast. And again, he's he is super talented. And not to take anything away from you, because you know, obviously, you're a very talented guy. I'm all but, right. Eh, come on now. I'm don't, all right. don't don't be modest, you son of a bitch. I'm trying to put together some new covers. I don't think I'll have any new originals, but uh, uh, I'll play a bunch of originals. For, to be 100% honest, it's great to have Zach do like an hour because that takes some stress off me about sure. having to fill three hours of music. So, um, so again, Women and Children's Horizons, wonderful organization here in Kenosha. They do great stuff. They've been doing great stuff for decades. If you can't make the show, make a donation online. Yep. Um, you can go to um, their website, wchkenosha.org. Um, that is their website. You can get um, all of the information about what they do, all the things that they've done. If you are in need of their um, services or advocacy, um, you can give them a call toll-free, 800-853-3503, uh, locally, 262-652-9900. Um, 652-9900. Yes, 652-9900. That's a 24-hour line. Yes. Somebody will answer and help you. Yes, Um they, they um, and you know I've I've said this um, uh, before. Uh, Women and Children's Horizons um, did a lot for my family when I was a kid, and my mom was um, in the midst of uh, an abusive marriage. And I will never ever forget the feeling of relief that my mom felt and we felt when we were welcomed in. No questions asked. No, no judgment. No nothing. It was. It was. What can we do to help? And so, to be able to to come back as an adult and just do something little, um, 
to help raise money or raise awareness is um if 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 that does anything um it's it's worth every second of time and so um if you can't not to interrupt no. if you can't make a donation write your email your senator yeah. email your local rep and say we have to we have to fund this kind of thing yeah um cuz they're losing 70% of funding but also if you if you can't donate money you can volunteer there they're always looking for volunteers they're always looking for um you know if you have clothing if you have uh, uh, gently used clothing that kind of thing they're always looking for for volunteers for donations you can help out in a number of ways um Jennifer Payne who is the um uh, executive director over there wonderful wonderful Incredible. human being yeah she's awesome and she um she she really upholds the standard of how important that that organization is and that's why this uh, fundraiser this the show that you're playing uh with zachary um is so important friday march 15th social on six that's 324 6th street downtown racine uh restaurants nearby grab a bite to eat come over go see a show come over um if you can't make it there you can still donate you can donate on the the uh women and children's horizons website wchkenosha.org um you can reach out to matt um if there's you know hey i got i can't make it but i got 20 bucks how can i get this to you that kind of thing you know you can pay paypal venmo all that kind of, i mean all that stuff exists whatever we can do to help you um pay it forward um great um reach out to matt reach out to me who doesn't matter but M march 15th 6 to 9 social on 6th uh matt and zach playing um uh, a music show to benefit women and children's horizons i'm gonna do a section in the middle where i do a bunch of monologues <laughs> no i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> put that coffee down coffee is for closers how long shall i be patient ah how long shall tender duty make me suffer wrong that's my Shakespeare. That's uh, full circle, my friend. All right, dude. Um, as always, um, it's always a pleasure to... So good to see you. Yeah, likewise. And, you know, I, I always try to... I always tell myself, I got to keep an episode at an hour, 45 minutes. Or, <laughs> well, uh, what are we at? Two, um, two hours. Two hours, 10 minutes. And I don't even care because um, I may or may not have recorded a podcast episode in the past that was like four hours long. And nobody cared that it was four hours long. They're, I don't know, listen to it. Listen, you don't have to listen to something in all in one sitting. Pause it and come back later. Do, listen to it while you're doing your laundry, while you're driving, while you're taking a crap, while you're taking. I don't care what you do. While you're, yeah, while you're <laughs> fluffing your Garfield, whatever you want to passing out literature. Yeah, um, take it from a, a you know a guy playing a uh, perverted masturbating carpet. Uh, you can do anything with your hands if you've got. Is some that time. what you are in that show? Is a masturbating carpet? That's what. <laughs> or is that just the? That's what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the character description. No, that's no, just, no, yeah. no, no, okay. no. Um, uh, I think the character description is something along the lines of like uh, uh, cranky loner. Uh, uh, crotchety something um, who you know what we should do who is obsessed with internet porn this is just this is uh, this is off the top of the dome you know what we should do I need to do a roots for uh, for Trekkie no and no What's those are obstacle? pretty obvious <laughs> those are pretty obvious what's he trying to accomplish his obstacle is that he's got pants on yeah he's got, <laughs> his tactic is to take the pants his off his obstacle is the chafing of his hands yeah 
we should we should do something with the roadie or something where we do a couple of one acts and donate the funds to women and children's horizons i'm all about that that would be get a little group of people together and like get three or four people together and do a couple of one acts and we all direct each other in the one acts yeah or like a uh what is it like oh here's you know here's three shows and uh you guys get to vote uh to pick which show we do and we get you know an hour's notice to and uh, fuck that you want an hour's notice i'm just i'm just just you know (laughs) i don't know how this shit works You get five minutes like you do with an audition. <laughs> yeah. Go, yeah, yeah. We wouldn't make any money for the women's children's rights. Sure we way. would. Come see our train wreck. Right. And every time a bell rings, you got to do a, a Jimmy. Angel St- loses its wings. Yeah. You got to do a Jimmy Stewart impression. Yeah. Oh, Jim Wells. That one was fucked up. <laughs> I didn't like that one. You don't want to refund, uh, refund my money? Yeah. Well, fuck you. <laughs> Uh, no, but yeah, I think I would love to. <laughs> don't, don't. I reckon that one was pretty good. <laughs> I know he ain't got no gas in that button. <laughs> I reckon I'm gonna kill you with it. <laughs> Call an ambulance and a hearst. Uh, didn't he direct that movie? Billy Bob Thornton, didn't so he direct? He r- so I am not positive about the movie itself. I think he did. I know that he wrote and directed like the indie version that got him the deal to make the film sure, length, the film length version, yeah. the big one. So I know he wrote and directed the 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 little starter one, which I think was called. Oh, I don't remember now. I, the movie was called Sling Blade, obviously, but the I think the wasn't the original version. I don't remember. It was something like some folks call it a Kaiser Blade or something like that. I don't remember what it was. What a great movie that was. Uh, yes. It's the first time I realized that Dwight Yoakam, who's one of my favorite um, country singers, was an actor, too, and he can act because he's in that movie. He can fucking act. He yeah. acted his fucking mustache off in that movie. Yeah, he's so good. Um, Carl, put it down. Funk. Dude, uh, that's some good fucking filmmaking, How they, the way they shot. Oh, fuck, man. Uh, one of these days, you and I will sit down and and record a an episode just about movies, um, and oh. that'll that'll be like a series, <laughs> <laughs> six hour marathon, yeah. <laughs> episode um, one. But um, again, to everyone out there, thanks for listening. Uh, sorry, it's been a while since uh, I've had an opportunity to put one of these out, but I'm glad that uh, the first one in a while is with you, Matt. And um, it's good to see you, dude. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Yeah. Before and after the tape is rolling. Yeah, well, we, we left some really interesting stuff some on the canoe. Juicy stuff yeah. on the. Yes, it was um, it was scandalous. <laughs> it was um, it was uh, spilling the tea, as you call it. Um, but anyway, uh, you can come on here as often as you like. That's, That's what, what she, she said. said. <laughs> Stop it! That's inappropriate, dude. Good night, everybody.